We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe was unfortunately called away to work at the last second, but Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other movie topics. This is episode 369. 369. Whoa. I know. Wow. Yeah. A, a perfectly odd set of numbers. Yeah, we got it. Uh, 369. Perfect. It's a good, it's a good number. I like that. Um, and this week, we have, we got a double review coming at you guys this week. We are talking both Danny Boyle's Yesterday and Annabelle Comes Home, the seventh film in the Conjuring universe. Well, well, okay. If we're counting, are, are we it's, it's a matter of count, in, like, it, It's a matter of if we count the Curse of La Llorona, it's the seventh film. If we don't, okay. it's the sixth film. I do. The damn dolls in it, so yeah, I'm counting yeah, it. No. So like that. Yeah. <laughs> the damn dolls. In it. So with all that, um, joining me today to discuss yesterday, Annabelle comes home. We have from Award Circuit. He's woken up in a crazy world where a star is born never existed. It's Joseph Raverman. <laughs> Hey everyone, what's going on? Also joining us from sunny LA, he has a closet full of possessed trinkets, but they're all self-possessed and don't care about anyone but themselves. It's Peter Paris. Hey, hey. That was a lot, but I was proud of that one. Um, how are you guys doing this evening? Pretty doing good. good. Yeah. Surviving the heat, barely. Good. Yeah, it's a little little warm this weekend, but um, but overall good. I'm looking forward to the fourth, the uh, you know, the extended weekend, so that'll be nice. All right. That, that is nice. Coming up. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Let's do some show notes. First up, iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to help those. If you like our show, if you like our nonsense, and you like all the stuff we do here, log on to iTunes. Search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. That would be cool already because you're like, hey, look, there's this show, and there's all these episodes I can listen to. Then, even more so, you could go to the you know the review area, give us a star rating, and a written review. That'd be awesome. It'd pump us up in the old uh, iTunes charts and all that. Give us a little more notoriety. But yeah, be sure to get on that if you can. And thanks in advance. What else? We have a new it's the end of june this is it'll be july by the time you guys hear this but so uh our new commentary track was aliens for alien for june july's coming up we haven't decided on what we're gonna do for our commentary next month but we'll we'll, we'll be talking about that but just stay tuned because there should be something fun coming your guys' way let's see what else um let's see the contest uh it's coming to an end here it's our we had a contest going favorite godzilla villain or adversary and why you can post that anywhere our, on all of our social media channels, and we'll select from all the entries a random winner, and they'll get a copy of Destroy All Monsters on Blu-ray, along with there's some other uh, fun prizes that I'll put into a, a package for anybody. But yeah, still some time, so if you listen to this and you're like, you know, I didn't do that yet, you can still, uh, you still have time. And uh, lastly, our Summer Gamble. Peter, you're a part of our Summer Gamble. Um, we, all t- we all chose, uh, Abe and myself, along with several frequent guests, we all put together what we think are going to be the biggest grossing, excuse me, the highest grossing films of the summer. Um... I think a lot of us had yesterday as like a dark horse, maybe, maybe even in the top ten in some scenarios. But uh, seventeen million in its opening weekend, not bad. I think actually Annabelle, I think, is also I think some people has as a dark horse as well. Both movies that could make some money, but we'll see what happens. But Annabelle yeah. was Annabelle twenty or it's tw- it's it's twenty. 20 but then well, I thought Scott Mendelson said it was thirty. It because it came out on Wednesday, so it's yeah. tw- it's, oh, it's twenty cool. for Friday to Sunday, but thirty one from Wednesday to now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Totally forgot that it opened earlier. Yep. Right, yeah, most people seem to. Most, most people, people seem did. to realize yeah, that. I did, yeah, especially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I saw it Tuesday at 5. Like, they had a, a 5 o'clock. The early showing was 5. Like, wow, they really want to get the kids in Annabelle, apparently, for 5 o'clock showings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, those movies are in the top 10. Toys, Toy Story still top the charts. 57 million brings it to 236 domestic so far. Pretty good. And, uh, yeah, next week we get a Spitterman. So, that should be uh, make some big bucks right there. But, yeah. 
Well, I think that's it for show notes, so let's move on now. Let's get to some Know Everybody. We each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for podcasts, better get to Know Everybody. I just have one question for you guys this week. John, Paul, George, or Ringo? Peter, you got one? I want to say Paul, no. but... Yeah, I, I'm still... I think I'm still... side of me says John, but I don't, I don't know. Well, I always feel the cool the cool kids like to say George now, but I mean, like, I <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, I, I'd probably go with Paul, you know, or John. I mean, like, but definitely not Ringo. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I yeah, think I'd the Paul. deciding factor is who wrote yesterday, right? I mean, for me, that's <laughs> just like... True. <laughs> that's where the winner kind of sprints ahead. Who did write the song yesterday? Is it? Well, wait. For a lot of the stuff, I think it's. I mean, we should have Yancey on because he knows the stuff. But I feel like a, a majority of the Beatles songs, it's usually credited to, to Paul and John. It's credited and then, to Lennon McCarthy, but it does say I'm looking it up now. Paul McCartney is the credit is the writer of yesterday. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. Um. Nice. Take that, John. <laughs> <laughs> You said definitely not Ringo, Peter. What, what, what is this? Well, I'm just making a joke because everyone, it's always like Ringo's the loser. But I mean, I don't mind Ringo. But... Ringo did Yellow Submarine, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and a song about okay. an octopus. Okay, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> I always associate that song with the Muppets. I don't know why. I think I saw Muppet <laughs> Special back in the day singing that song. Uh, anyway, that's how you play No Everybody. Let's move on now. Let's get to some out now quickies. Yeah, where each week we ask each other. That that's now that's now everybody out now quickies. Uh, we have we have one main movie. Now we talk about quickies. All right, all that's done. To you. Uh, let's start. With, let's start with Peter. Peter, what other movies have you seen recently? I saw Spiderman with you. Uh, I saw Far From Home. Yeah, I'm not. I can't talk about it. But if you what, you want to say something. Oh, uh, I liked it. I I uh, I think it's um yeah. I, I think it's on par with Homecoming. I mean, I, I think that it's like very entertaining. I really like Tom Holland. Um, I think my favorite aspect of these Spider-Man movies, besides the the whole, you know, folded into the MCU thing, is I, I think they do a really good job of, like, representing Peter Parker as a teen. As much as I love Spider-Man 2, Tobey Maguire always just – he just had an older presence about him. And I, I really buy not just Tom Holland, but the rest of the cast like they seem like teenagers even though i'm sure they're also in their 20s but um but yeah yeah very enjoyable yeah i liked it cool anything else you've seen uh well i saw yesterday we're gonna talk it about it doesn't that. need to be just like new releases in theaters like if you saw anything else in general you can feel free to go for it oh you know what i saw uh recently that i don't know what you thought about it um but i finally watched under the silver lake oh Ugh. yeah um, I think, as I recall, on Facebook when you were talking, you prefer Southland Tales, right? I think that's what you said. I said as far as, like, unwieldy L.A. sci-fi ambitious comedies go, I, I prefer Southland Tales, yes. I mean, I, I've only seen one. I mean, I haven't seen Southland Tales in over a decade. So, like, I really I, – I don't, I don't remember it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the comparison is probably apt. But, yeah, I don't know. It took me, like, two sittings to finish Under the Silver Lake and um, – yeah, I don't know. It was okay. It's the kind of movie that, in general, kind of like Southland Tales. I like those kind of, yes, overly ambitious. Even if it's uh-huh. even if it's kind of wrongheaded or whatever, I usually kind of gravitate towards those kind of movies. But I don't know. I didn't really feel much for this. I thought it was well shot, just like It Follows. But yeah. I did. 
I don't know. I thought it was okay. I mean, might, might be, I could see it being one of those things where years later people are going to say it's amazing and then I'll rewatch it and I'll either feel the same or I will be like, oh, I was completely wrong about this one. Like, I, th- I think so. Andrew Garfield is very good in it. I, I give it that. And what I said to you I about... I hate his character. Oh my I, god! I do, I do too. But I think I you're. I don't really like the character. But I think either. you're. I don't think you're supposed to be like. This is one of the right. great American characters either. I mean, I think, and I can, I think it's because of the nature of his character. With that's why A two four was like. I don't think we need to spend twenty at this moment in our history. I don't think we need to spend twenty million dollars on marketing for this movie. Let's just dump it on Amazon instead. Like, or, I get it. Yeah. Like, I get the logic of that. But I do think, I do think he is doing a good job playing the role that he's given. But I mean. As far as my comparison to Southland Tales, I think the difference there for me, Peter, is that these are both like, you know, two out, you know, two hour plus movies. That movie, for whatever reason, whatever spell Richard Kelly cast on me, I was like, I want, I don't like, I didn't like it the first time, but I still want to like watch it again. Where this, I'm like, all right, I get it. I don't really have a desire to revisit it to be like, do I, will I like it more or less the next time I watch it? Like, I don't see myself watching Under the Silver Lake again for a very long time. I would agree. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. And in fact, I have to say I had a little buyer's remorse because um, <laughs> under, well, well, because because uh, I'm not. Is it know. free on Prime? What buyer's remorse did you have? <laughs> wait, no, no. Oh, wait, is it free on? It wasn't free when I no, I bought it off iTunes. But you, but, you know, it's streaming on Prime now. <laughs> oh, well, oh, wow. I, will, I will say to be fair, I got under the Silver Lake as soon as it was available. So maybe like six weeks ago or something like. And oh, I so just you, just, you just blind bought it based off your yeah, love for it follows, right. and you're like, this can't be bad. <laughs> Right, as opposed to renting it. You know, uh-huh. I, I either rent it, but I, I don't – I rarely rent. I'm usually – especially if it's a filmmaker. Okay, we don't need to get all these details. <laughs> well, yeah, so. We have so much to do. But Joseph, well, you, I hear like – it sounds like you didn't like the movie. Oh, no. I saw it at um, AFI Film Festival, and I just – I really did not care for it at all. I thought mm-hmm. it was pretentious trying to be like Mulholland Drive, but just crashing and burning, and it just – Anytime you sell a character on me who is like this sort of like ladies man, but yet his shirt is tattered and he looks like something that crawled out of the bushes. Like, it's just I'm like, I can't I can't follow or empathize or sympathize with this movie whatsoever. And it completely loses me. There's suspending disbelief. Mm -hmm. And then there's just like buying nonsense. And that who's this scumbum? Why is he so popular? (laughs) I don't know. But it's just exactly. I hear you. Well, what else? Have, what have you seen recently? Um, I actually, so I saw pretty much back to back Annabelle yesterday and The Last Man in San Francisco, and oh. I'm glad I saved the best for last. I was so bowled over by that movie. I was. It felt like, I mean, I I don't even know the director. What is the director's name of that movie? Uh, Joe Talbot. Joe something. Joe, Joe Talbot. Okay. Yeah. Um, he has his own distinctive voice, but I actually thought like. His style was like a good merging of like Barry Jenkins with Andrew Hyde. Like I just mm, if you yeah. combine both of those elements, it's just like I was like watching that type of movie, and it was just I don't know everything about it like fired on all cylinders for me. So I was I was totally euphoria after watching that one. I meant to mention that we are going to, in addition to talking about Annabelle Comes Home and yesterday, we're going to be going over our uh, top five films of the year so far as well later in the show. And I'm not going to talk about The Last Black Man in San Francisco right now because I'm probably going to talk about it later on in the show. Right. So. But, yeah, cool. Any Anything else you want to mention? Uh, no, I mean, I've uh, they're actually getting rid of Colombian Noir collection on um, Criterion Channel, so I was kind of going through most of those before mm-hmm. they're 
off for good. So, I mean, I loved, uh, I think I tweeted the other day, I think In a Lonely Place with Humphrey Bogart. That's a great film, yeah. I was like, wow. I mean, it's just, it's controversial, but in a very, like, I don't know, internally, like, conflicting, weird way. And I just, I loved it. That's a, it's such, like, it's easy to recognize Bogart for his, you know, his key performance in, like, Casablanca or Maltese Valley. Right. In a Lonely Place, that's, like, real acting that he, like, it's not oh, like, yeah, he, it's not sure. like he wasn't trying or putting it in the effort no, of the no, other no. films that are obviously classics and hailed as some of the best of all time. But In a Lonely Place is a really, like, that's a real tragic character. And it's such a, totally. it's such an yeah. incredible performance from him, especially knowing, you know, kind of the persona he tends to have in movies and seeing him in right. this kind of weakened right. nature, uh, which is right. also why Sierra Madre tends to be one of my the one I lean on as well for Bogart goes. Um, But yeah, that's a great film. Um, I have a couple things I'll mention since we have so much to do. Let's see. I watched uh, on Netflix because they tend to release movies that have no, like (laughs) no no push whatsoever. You're just like, this is a movie. Okay. A movie called beats. It's uh, it stars Anthony Anderson and another young kid. I got to look this up. I found it. Uh, But it's about like this kid lives in Chicago his sister was killed in like a shooting and he has PTSD, but he's also like a great um, uh, mixer. Like he's a great DJ and he makes beats. Anthony Anderson plays like a, he, he plays a security guard that works at his school and he goes to see why he, like the kid, he has PTSD, stays home from school. So now he like tries to go and get some students to come back to the school to help out the school. And he discovers that the kid has a, a talent for this kind of music. And he used to be a music producer and he tries to help him. It's basically like an underdog sports movie, except with music instead of any kind of sport. And it's pretty good. Like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Like I, it's nice to see Anthony Anderson in something a little different and uh, just tells a nice story. It's nothing amazing, but it's on Netflix and it's 90 minutes. I'm like, okay, cool. This is a good movie. I like this. Uh, also, uh, Anna and I, we finally saw late night, uh, the, the film with uh, Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling, uh, where Emma Thompson plays a late night, like a, Pastor Prime late night talk show host, and Minnie Kaylee plays the newest writer and the first like woman writer to come into their on their on the staff of that show. It's good. Uh, I, Thompson's very good in it. I think my main issue is that it kind of balances sitcom-y type stuff involving Mindy Kaling's character with I think a harder edge story that they could be telling with Emma Thompson's character. So mm. it's it, so it's mixing these two kind of plots, and it for the most part like it's entertaining and it works. At the same time, there are choices that are made where it's like, you could have either gone a little bit harder on this or made it a little bit more whimsical, I guess, to kind of fit into, a, like, it's because it's not a rom-com. It's just, it has the like, kind of like a sitcom-y comedy vibe to it. And you're, I, I can especially tell that in like the cinematography where like you have scenes of when Mindy Kaling in the writer's room and it feels like, oh, this is a high studio comedy type thing. But then you have scenes of like Emma Thompson, like looking dramatically at, at like her husband played by John Lithgow. And it's like, well, it was absolutely like a... amazing, by the way. He is I mean, great. I was I actually I didn't see any trailer for this movie. I just knew that it was like happening of what the basic premise was. So I was actually surprised how many like great actors there are in this movie. So like oh, John yeah. Lithgow shows Hugh up, Dancy Hugh Dancy, yeah. Dennis O'Hare, uh, uh, Amy Ryan, uh, Max Casella, who I think is a solid like character actor. Like it's just like, oh, there's a lot of like who's who of character actors in this movie. Right, so, right. Like I liked it overall. I think it's fine. I, I just I. I wish it either kind of tilted a little harder and kind of more into comedy or more into kind of not necessarily satire, but just kind of. I think I I just Mm -hmm. had, I mean, I enjoyed it. I just had a bone to pick with the ending. I was just not a fan of it. Yeah. Without getting into details, I I agree as far as the lengths things go and wrapping things up, I guess. (laughs) And the decision that's made. But yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. That's what I saw. All right. Uh, Actually, 
Did anyone watch Paul Thomas Anderson and Tom York's Anima on Netflix? Wait, what? Mm. No, I don't even know what that is. That's Paul Thomas Anderson. Film? Yeah, it's it's like so Tom York of Radiohead put out a new solo album and he teamed up with his pal Paul Thomas Anderson. It's like, "Hey, let's make like four of these songs into a cool short movie and put it on Netflix." Actually, they put it in IMAX for one night only at the same night that we were at the Spider-Man <laughs> press screening and then they're like, "And now we're going to put it on Netflix the next day." And it's out there. Oh. It's like it's 15 minutes long. It's it's great. I mean, what would you, what else, what would you expect? It's Tom, Paul Thomas Anderson making a music video for 15 minutes. Wait, like, what's it called? Anima. Anima. It's the same title as the Tom York album. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But it's quite I mean, <laughs> it's Paul Thomas Anderson making a music video. It's it's pretty good. It, it it felt like a Spike Jones video, honestly. Just kind of the well, the vibe. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson did, has done one of my favorite kind of funny music videos. Remember, cause he, he used to be uh, dating Fiona Apple, uh-huh. and one of her I don't remember the name of the song is, but it's an uh, it's a uh, Zach Galifianakis, and it and it's basically that like right when she's about to start singing. Uh, Zach Galifianakis things the whole time. It's pretty mm-hmm. funny. Kind of like a You Can Call Me Al, Chevy Chase thing. Yeah, I but it's you. effective. Yeah. But I had always heard that actually Paul Thomas Anderson directed that. So, I, I yeah, I would love to see him do more uh, music videos. And obviously, York, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So, I, I um, mean, I like that, for one thing, I like that Netflix is just like, sure, let's, <laughs> let's put this on here. Like, I'd rather see that than like, oh, no, The Office is going away. It's like, whatever. Let me give me more Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> random music videos with, with artists. Like, that's cool to me. Wait, uh, can I ask? So that is not, you're not going to cancel Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> this has been, the only reason I say that is because, I have a I have a coworker who he really feels he's not a fl- fan of Netflix and he really feels like he's he's gunning that like them losing the office and then I guess also Warner Brothers of take take friends away is gonna make people leave Netflix and I'm like well, I'm like I feel like they got a lot of original programming now like I, I I'll know. I'll put it this way for one thing. I like Parks and Rec better, so who cares? But also, <laughs> I've never once watched The Office or Friends on Net. I don't watch. I don't think any show that I've already seen on Netflix. I, I don't rewatch TV very. I rewatch movies a lot. I don't rewatch TV very often, except for like. Actually, the the TV show I probably most rewatched is Ricky Gervais's The Office. If you want to talk about The Office, like that's the one I've actually rewatched. That's a most. quick two season sort of like. Yeah, that's what helps. It's tw- it's twelve episodes and a special. Right. So it's like, what is that? Uh, less than thirty hours of my time. It's it's a it's a quick go through. But I mean, I also you know, part of me giving up the the physical disc aspect is like, well, I. I see every movie, so what do I need to get new releases for? Like, I don't care. So it's like, I, I'm into them more for, especially now, the original programming, but also, like, archive stuff that's like, oh, this is on there now? I never saw, I don't know, some early Friedkin movie or something or whatever. Like, it'd just be like, okay, sure. <laughs> no, that? I... I totally agree. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, I guess I, I, I don't deny yeah. that. Yes, there is a segment of people that certainly watch <laughs> That's Netflix what they use it for, right? or for old TV shows that are like comfort watch. You can just kind of slide it on the same way that like I think someone like said something about like I could easily like put the Blu-ray copy of like Spider-Verse on. But I instead chose to put it on Netflix because whatever, like it's that kind of logic of it's it's laziness. That's what it is. It's America. That's that's, that's really good what it comes down to. I agree. But I was just wondering. I was wondering what you guys thought since that was in the news lately. Joe, are you are you plagued by um, this? I I am not into. Well, all my '90s viewing experience was like shows that no one watched. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I was actually on the other spectrum. I mean, I feel like if you're a Friends fan, you're not a Seinfeld fan, and vice versa. So I was the Seinfeld fan. Yeah. So you have Hulu. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> 
Exactly. Well, I have Hulu, and if I need to see Seinfeld, and I have the box sets too. So there you go. You know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on then. That was a quick use, TM. Um, let's see, we're skipping trailer talk because, as I said, we have a lot to cover this week, and we're going to move right into it, guys. We're going to ride and move right into our first review for yesterday. What happened? <gasps> Electricity flicked off all over the world. Cheese! <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, Ellie bought you a present. All my troubles seem wow. so far away. Oh, I believe in yesterday. When did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Who? That should have been some of the trailer for yesterday. What if you woke up and the Beatles no longer existed? That's the dilemma that Himish Patel's Jack faces in Yesterday, a film from director Danny Boyle and writer Richard Curtis. As a struggling songwriter, Jack finds new success when he realizes he's suddenly the only person who remembers the four lads from Liverpool and chooses to pass off their songs as his own, quickly finding success in the process. The only problem is how it affects his relationship with his longtime friend Ellie, played by Lily James. How can he carry the weight of this crisis? Joseph, where are you with the? Where are you a? Are you a Beatles fan? And where, I'm where a you? Beatles fan. I'm mm-hmm. a Yesterday fan, and I'm probably going to be a Yesterday apologist because <laughs> it feels like, among the critical consensus, I'm on the minority side. But I had a feeling, based on seeing it with an actual audience and the reception that I'm not going to be alone in liking it. Um, I mean, the 91% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes versus what, the 50... It was either... I think it's right at fresh, right? On uh, RT, like right at the very... I'm going to check now. I know it has, it has an A- cinema score. I see that. But uh, yes. I think it's still I think on it's the like fresh side. it's like 60 last I checked. Um, and I, I'm, I think what I really like about this movie, it's, it's sort of... It's the first of these like musical biopic it's not really a biopic but you know they're bringing it's like you know bringing back all their songs all the you know these this famous band songs and integrating into this new story um to me it worked better and it was i was give i was had more appreciation for the music itself um rather than being force-fed it like i felt like rocket man and bohemian rhapsody and that yes i obviously know that you know those two are biopics and this is not but at the same time there was sort of just this movie organically weaved these songs for me a lot better and the emotion felt more earned rather than being delivered in such a bombastic way i think maybe it's just the tone that danny boyle was like working with i mean he's very sort of a light zippy energetic sort of director and i think that really helped with this type of music I will say I wouldn't have thought of comparing these to Rocket Man or Bohemian Rhapsody. I, I understand why, as far as you know, bands with a lot of reverence that people enjoy see- hearing their songs in and would you know likely flock to a theater to experience mm-hmm. those on the big screen. At the same time, yeah, I mean, obviously those those are different style of films as far as they're telling a story based around the actual people that created said songs as opposed to this. At the same time. I disagree as far as how the songs are presented. I think my and so I'll say this: I like Yesterday overall. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I do think part of my problem was the fact that the Beatles, to me, in this film, didn't feel like they really applied in any meaningful way. I don't feel like Jack ever says anything about the Beatles' music that specifically says why he likes it so much or is so endeared to it, even when he's asked, like. When he's po- when he's po- putting these songs out there, and people ask like, "What what was the meaning behind this one? What did you what were you thinking of when you came up with it?" He always like shrugs it off or says, uh, "You just like it's as if he looks around the room is just like, 
my carpet made me think like it's just like he's kind of like making shit up instead of like actually having any kind of personal connection so that i mean that part of it goes into my deeper part whereas i just don't think the premise is all that explored that well like i really like this idea and i like curtis and boyle as far as filmmakers go and i wish the movie did more with it now i can understand it being a it's certainly more of a Richard Curtis film, and as a result, it feels it's a rom-com. Like, it, it's a romantic comedy that has, you know, charming performances. It has good chemistry between the leads and whatnot. And I'm certainly a fan of seeing someone like Himish Patel as a lead character in a movie like this, as opposed to, say, James McAvoy. It's like, that's a nice, refreshing change of pace here. And so those aspects work for me. I think their chemistry is good. I think the comedy is good enough. I even like. I don't really have any opinion on Ed Sheenan, so it's like... I was like, okay, he's sending up himself, I guess. I don't really know about him, so it's like, that's fine. But I I feel like the ramifications of taking the Beatle out of this world are interesting to me, and there wasn't really anything done with that. And that that made it more disappointing that I was watching a movie that I felt like had a chance to do something with such a cool premise and just kind of chose to put it on the side. But uh, that's me, and we'll get more back to that. But Peter, let's go to you before we kind of get into it. Where, where were you on yesterday? I know you just saw the well, movie. Actually, now, I, I do, you know what, I gotta say, I like his comparison to Bohemian Rhapsody, and uh, I haven't seen Rocketman, but mm-hmm. I would say that we're living in an era, if if 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it was all about, like, Guitar Hero and Rock Band, which was essentially, like, the video game version of karaoke, that's basically what I feel like these movies are, if, if that's what I think you're getting at, which is, like, Beatles, it's like the, all this kind of these songs are very like you can sing along to them. We all know them. And it just so happens that yesterday is not a biopic, but it is still the I get excited because, oh, he's playing Hey Jude, you know, like. So, yeah, I, actually, I think that's a that's a pretty good observation. Um, having said that, uh, I, I think I'm probably I went in with low expectations. I love the trailer and I was like, this is a great idea for a movie. Um, but even with my low expectation and, and I would say the first hour of the movie, I was pretty much on board. I was like, well, I'm liking this. Like it's pretty entertaining. And like you said, because it is Curtis, I am aware there's going to be a rom-com quality. And I think the two leads are very charming. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm all for that. Um, however, yeah, like, cause as I recall, we try not to do too many spoilers cause this is the weekend that it comes out. So we yeah. try not to talk too much. I will say without spoiling, I guess I felt like to me, the movie, to me, if you take away, I know if it's, if you can, if you take away the, the window dressing of the Beatles, if you take away the brand name, um, to me, it's basically a story about a singer who, or, or an artist who basically has imposter syndrome, who basically feels like people love me, but I don't really deserve this. I mean, you could look, I know you could say, well, it's, it's actually the Beatles, but whatever. I mean, I, like narratively, that's really what's going on. And I like that. I think that's an interesting thing to go with. But I don't think what the script does at the end feels pretty pat. And I was like, eh, like, but, but beyond there is kind of a twist that I'm not going to give away that I do really like. But I kind of felt like you have a you have a story about a guy who basically doesn't have this confidence in his work. And everyone is telling him, your work is amazing. And I guess I, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of felt like where it goes is just kind of, eh. And that really kind of sunk it for me, which is weird because I was, I was mostly enjoying it. And I would also go to Aaron's thing that, um, while I do not think they need to do the entire Beatles catalog, although I would have liked 
some of the more darker, weird stuff. And that's, I, for me, that's what ruined Rocket Man is that they try to put too many songs into right. The you're you're right. I, I'll say I I I I I'm not saying Rocket Man is the best film of the year, but I did I did appreciate what Rocket Man tried to do. Like I think it had more ambition than most of the kind of banal biopic stuff going on. I I get I get what you're saying though, as far as like the songs, well, I, like it it overloads it. I, I agree. Well, I'll say this like um as a my parents my dad especially is a huge Beatles fan, so I grew up with the Beatles and um was the song up uh, Dear Prudence. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's the yeah, white yeah yeah. And I remember, like, loving that song and being like, well, what, you know, what's that song about? Is it metaphorical? And it was like, no, it actually is just that, like, I don't know if it was Harrison or, or John Lennon was was in love with this woman, Prudence, who was like, was it Mia Farrow's sister? It's somebody's famous sister. And that was actually her name. You can do a so lot of research this week on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is it? But the point is, is that it's, it's, it's pretty, like, the song is pretty literal of, like, something that he was recollecting. It's not really super metaphorical. And I remember being a little disappointed and be like, that's it? That's why it's that song? It's a Lennon song, and yes, it oh. was inspired by Mia Farrow's sister, Prudence Farrow. <laughs> there you go, right. I, uh, I do like learning this stuff, though, I'll say that. Right. But, but I will say, you know, it's weird because you're right, the character, is it Jack? Is that his first name? Yes. He's such a huge fan of the Beatles, and I and I do like the joke that he can't remember all the words. That's That's fine. But you're right, when they're asking him, so what was your inspiration for Strawberry Fields and stuff? It is weird that I'm like, really? You you don't have any idea about what the song is? Yeah, that that is a little strange. Um, so yeah, I will say I think Hamish Patel is very good. I he's, yeah, I I, I I don't know him before this. I know that he's a he he's one, he's been on EastEnders, the long running like British uh, drama. But like I I don't know him be out of, outside of this, and I thought he was he was great in this movie. I do I do like that. He is great, but I will say that. He and Lily James feel a little hampered by Curtis's rom-com qualities of like they're, yes. un- they're underwritten in that regard. I mean, it's yeah, just, it's relying just... on their chemistry a lot. But their yeah, talent they... may suffer that, and it compensates for it. That's what I think is so brilliant about them two together. Again, I, I that's why I'm saying I, think, I, I do yeah, think they're I good at yeah. I um, I was saying yes, I agree. I think the chemistry is strong yeah. enough for yes. I, it doesn't bother me that they're not like more more rounded out characters because yes the performance they're informed by the actors that are playing them and which is why i'm saying himish patel well, has to carry the weight of this movie um i think he does a lot that works well well can i ask can i ask you both did you did you like or want more of because i don't think this is a huge spoiler because it's pretty much it's pretty early is that it's not just the Beatles. It's like I think there's no Coca-Cola. Yeah, there's a running there's a running joke where other things are also no longer in existence. I think that's a great idea, but once again, I don't know if they I don't know if they do enough with it or something. Well, let, Joe, let me ask you because you're the you're the, yeah. you're the highest on this film. What what do you think about the, the the potential of the premise versus the execution? Uh, I mean, I think that you needed something like that because otherwise, why would it just be centered around one occurrence, one like major occurrence? I feel like it's more realistic in this non-realistic setting to have more things happen rather than just one band being taken out or one pop culture thing being taken out of the equation. But do you like, do you think they just the the concept of this, regardless of how many things are taken out? But do you think there's are you satisfied with how they chose to kind of go with that? How they how they chose to execute on that premise? Um, I think so. I guess I, I really think at the end of the day, I mean, the great thing about the Beatles is that they have such a timeless quality to them. Um, and so there's not really I mean, you, 
I mean, I guess if you're a super fan, you can go and research all these things and find the meaning. But I don't really think that the Beatles are that type of band. I think they're just more universally appealing. And you can be a fan of them without, you know, knowing every inch of their history or lyrical meaning or, you know, whatnot. And I think that's mm -hmm. why this director and screenwriter chose to use this band in order to tell a wider message that I think was bigger than the Beatles themselves. That's that's, that's, the that's fair. Kind of that's fair. And I guess because it's the Beatles. Yeah, I don't I can't think of like a better replacement, especially if you have the chance to use the Beatles music, you're going to use the Beatles music. But I can't think of a better like, I don't know, pop culture symbol that's so universally praised. Maybe like the Stones, I guess. But even then, like, there's a there's something there's something about the you know about John, Paul, George, and Ringo like that. Just it's ubiquitous. I guess. I mean, there's something there yes, where, as totally. far as everybody's going to recognize that thing, and the concept of that thing not being there is going to be an impact. I guess my my thought is, while I don't need the movie to go into like a an Oliver Stone style investigation of what it would be <laughs> like if the Beatles never existed, I still wish that maybe more was explored as far as what kind of ramification that would have on the world. Because I do think, yes, the Beatles music is universal, but if you take that away from the world, I do think like there, like significant things would change as a result of that. And I, I'm not sure if the movie's, like, is the lack of Coca-Cola a response to the fact that Beatles are no longer there, or is that just also a thing? Like, like when Oasis is discovered not to exist, he's like, I get that. Oasis makes sense. Like, that wouldn't, of course that wouldn't be there. The Beatles aren't there. Like, I... I wish the movie did more with that, and that instead, and instead of doing that, it kind of, it kind of meambles into both the romantic comedy stuff and the like cynical music industry thing where Kate McKinnon comes into play. And I think Kate McKinnon can be funny. I think her character, the joke, wears out in a good like scene or two. I, I kind of like stopped caring about this character very quickly just the way she presented herself is i'm only in it for the money and it's like that's that's it that's the depth of this person and so the joke just got old for me but i mean because of that industry though that does become a lot of times that person's single defining trait especially if you're a musician having to work with a manager like that and i think that's what they were trying to well, no, I, I, I think it, I mean, it's, it's Maxwell silver hammering it on my head. I mean, yeah. I get it. Like it's, <laughs> it's nailing me on the head with the idea of what she is. It's just, I didn't find it funny at a certain, it's just, and it's, it's not like hard satire. It's like, get it. The music industry sucks. Like that's what it comes down to. It's like, okay, there's no real joke there. Peter, did you care for McKinnon's character? Well, I always like McKinnon. I think, she, I think she's, I think she's funny. Um, but no, you're totally right. I mean, there's really nothing there. It's just that it's just she's very engaging. So it's like, yeah, she's it's funny the way she's talking about his his clothes and his look. But I agree that this is really weird because, like, we've had a lot of movies lately about the music industry. I don't know if this is a weird it just took forever to move Hollywood to catch up with American Idol or something. But like, we've you know, we've got this year we had Teen Spirit last year, Star is Born. And I will say that I might be forgetting but they they usually all are especially Star is Born and this movie they're pretty cynical when it gets to the pop music business side of it and i'm not saying that there isn't a lot of terrible stuff in that but it's just a little like of a shrug to me just like yeah like i'm not saying you need to give me a wow it's great to be um you know the the, the music industry is fantastic and everyone's caring I, you don't have to do that it just it just feels like a you know you know what is the term like fish in a barrel or something where it's just uh, like 
all right, you know, like same thing with Star is Born, which I really like Star is Born, but that was the same kind of thing I had where I was like, ah, eh, now she's on Saturday Night Live and it's all empty. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that that was kind of frustrating for me. Did you guys like the songs? Himish Patel's versions of the songs. Oh, yeah. I did. Absolutely. I did. I, I will say this. I, re- I, I do like the songs as well. I liked his rendition of Help. I don't know what it just stuck out to me as far as this is when I'm really realizing how trapped he feels. Like you mentioned it, right, uh, right. like as far as his isolation right, it, within exactly. this world. I really like that in the song Help, he presents it. And like, because the songs all have a different, like he presents it in his own way, which I thought to be neat as far as how he's choosing to record these songs. And Help is presented as this kind of rock anthem. And he puts his own personal angst in it. And I thought that was really, that was the most like Danny Boyle-ish of the scenes in this movie to me, as far as the editing of that sequence, where it's, he's singing it, he's belting out the word help and he means it, but the audience doesn't understand that. Cause why would he need help? He's on top of the world. Like that's like, that, that's the most, that's the closest the film came to like realizing its full potential in my eyes. And I was like, I really like that. I really, I really like that. And I wish there was more of that going through it again. I want to emphasize, I do like this movie. Like it's, I, I put it lower on my Daniel Boyle list, but I do, I, I, I do think the movie, like it has its charms. It, it, it works as a, you know, another Richard Curtis fantastical romantic comedy. It's not quite as good as about time for me, but I still think it's, it's good enough. Um, I just, I wish it did more with it. Did you guys like Ed, Ed Sheeran? Oh, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, I like that he could like sort of poke fun at himself when he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, that was good. A lot of people were like, oh, is Ed Sheeran trying to compare his greatness to like the Beatles? I'm like, I don't, I did not see that at all. Like I, no, no. I I'll, never felt that whatsoever. I'll say this. I learned that Chris Martin was apparently lined up to be this role from Coldplay before he had to drop out. And so Sheeran came in. Well, that I, makes sense with an earlier line in the movie. So I, I agree. And, yeah. and I, I'm more familiar with Chris Martin. I, I keep feeling like, well, that would have been actually pretty cool. I like the idea of him sending up himself. Like, that's I, He, again, I don't know Sheeran. I, 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 from, the only reactions I know are him is because he had, like, a cameo on Game of Thrones and people hated it. And I'm like, what did he do Sheeran? Like, did but he I do, do something? feel it would be more believable. <laughs> it would be more believable for someone like Ed Sheeran to approach Jack versus someone like Chris Martin, who, like, notorious for not even like allowing like music competition shows like American Idol and stuff not even being granted access to their catalog he's very (laughs) overly protective of that for the most part so I I, Chris Martin being in that role I it would be more of a stretch I can understand that I I don't know too much about that either so I'm so not into the music industry as far as this goes so but and in terms of like I know Coldplay is still quite popular, but I know Eric Sheeran is pretty on top right now, it seems, as far as his kind of relevance around the world. So it's a it's a neat thing to have him. But yes, I, I agree as far as sending up the like when he says, like, you know, it can't be on too long and bring the bring the ginger out like that kind of stuff. It's like, that's funny. I, I, get, I get what you're doing. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, and I, I did like when he basically becomes like a giant dick when he has like a the songwriting competition. <laughs> He's just like he's so like passive aggressively angry about how good jack's song is what he does what does he do uh does he do carry the weight i think actually uh, long and winding road long yeah um so it's like i, I like the understandably he's playing a version of, of you know he's playing a you know a heightened version but it's like right. that's fun i get what you're doing that's that's fun to do what uh, did i mean we talked a lot about the romantic con did you guys like the romance elements in this film i think it wrapped up well i i wasn't really sure what where it was going at the beginning whether it's i mean What's good about this year in films, and I was reading something earlier, is now 
there's like a trend that they're kind of reversing in rom-coms where like nowadays like the guy is actually ditching his aspirations and career to be with a woman and i think beforehand it was the polar opposite and so it's nice to see that you know trend kind of buck and and change in that way and i think for i mean i think the resounding message of this movie for me at least is that um he doesn't really need all the validation from everyone you know as a celebrity all that matters is what the person he loves cares about his talent and i think that was he kind of realized that at the very end it didn't really matter about the fame or the celebrity it just really mattered about what she thought of him so that's what i got peter how about you yeah i um uh i i i think that's part of what um I think that's the kind of stuff that I felt was a little lacking for me is it just seems kind of like a, I mean, look, I know yesterday is ultimately just, it's just kind of a sweet, charming movie. <laughs> this is not her smell, you know, this like, I'm, I know we're not getting, this is not the dregs of like how terrible fame is and you know what it can, I, I know that, but I eh, like, it's weird that I like your take on the romance angle that it's like, it's his career that he m- might have to give up and stuff. I, I do like that, but it's weird because when I was watching... I'd say it feels a little Cameron Crowe when you present it that way as far as like, I'm getting rid of all this and going for love. Like, Doesn't that sort of align with what the Beatles mantra is anyways? I mean, that's it's like, it sounds hokey. I, I but think I've heard the them Beatles. say all you need like, is love yeah. once or twice in my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> it, no, you're totally right. I just... <laughs> It's funny though, because my, my impression of, of when I was watching it was that uh, while I like, I've always liked Lily James, and what's what is his name? What's the actor's name? Himish Patel. Himish Patel, yeah. And I thought Himish Patel, like, yeah, it's the first time I I think I had seen him, and I thought they had chemistry, but I did think that again, going back to the some of that being underwritten, if it wasn't for the charm of the performers, it is pretty like. She's just, you know, she's obviously, she looks like Lily James. So, like, she's gorgeous, and she's always yeah. been at his one side. Of my, one of my big criticisms of the movie is the, I think there's, like, a self-deprecating line saying, like, oh, and here I am with the frizzy hair. It's like, why is that a bad thing? Like, it, it just, right? the way that it was said, it was like, <laughs> why do you got to kick yourself, you know? It's like, it didn't make sense for me. Yeah, so, but, I mean, it... it it, it is sort of in that realm of like, you know, oh, she's she's obviously beautiful and everything, but he can't see it. And she's so great. And I'm like, eh. but it's fine because I like the lead. So I went with it. I was like, fine, I'll go with this. You know, it sets up their like their their friendship early on pretty well, especially like I think the best example is after. So the the set off of this is like he's about to quit music and then like the whole world blacks out and he gets into a bus accident and he wakes up the next day and he's in the hospital bed and then he discovers the Beatles thing. Yeah. But like the 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 banter they have where she's not only like she obviously she's sympathetic as far as she's on the side of his bed at the hospital, but like she's just nonstop insulting him and it's very funny. Like that gave me a great look at like oh, how these like two that. connect with each other. Like I right, get that. Right. Like it was, it's really like, it's fun to watch this kind of sparring going on where the guys like literally had like a concussion and like lost a couple teeth. And she's not saying like, you're going to be okay. She's saying like, yeah, well, you're ugly now and your teeth fell out. Like, it's just, it's funny. Like it's funny stuff. Yeah. And like, you, so it's like going from there, it is, you know, now they have to like, once he becomes popular for this other thing, they have to contend with the feeling, the the unsung feelings they have for each other. And I went with it. I could go with that just because I, I get their friendship. I see where that was going. Like that's 
that works well enough to be again which is why ultimately i do like the film i do think it pays off as far as that pairing goes and how it chooses to present like the things that that kind of actually the there's a love triangle aspect that presents itself that's maybe the easiestly the most easiestly resolved love triangle I've seen in a romantic comedy as far as what the what a third yeah, party totally. does. It just right. just kind of like, well, oh well. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, exactly. They would have I mean, other movies would have made that guy like a total jerk and yeah. overly possessive of that. It was not the case whatsoever. Yeah. Um was, what's funny mm-hmm. is though is that I don't know if you guys experienced this, but when I saw the trailer, I just assumed that they were already a couple and together. Yeah. It wasn't until I saw the movie that I realized, oh, wow, they're not together. They're just friends. Like, I had no clue that they just had pretty much just a friendship slash professional relationship. I yeah, thought the, the first I thought like... the whole movie was going to be about mm-hmm. his rise to fame, using the beat. Like, I had no idea there was this. I guess I should have done my research as the essay, but about who was writing it. But, like... You, you thought it was going to be more like whole... the, the classic rock star with Mark Wolf right, and Jennifer exactly. Aniston, of course. <laughs> and for me, that was refreshing and uh, a nice little surprise. I so. agree with you. Like, I didn't realize it either up until their friend, played by Joel Fry, he he comes in and makes a comment about them sleeping together. He's like, no, we haven't. And they're all embarrassed. It's like, wait, your guys are not together? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you guys like him, by the way, Joel Fry, as like the best, the funny best friend? I thought he was okay at first, but he grew on me. At oh, first, yeah, it was a little too too on the nose, but yeah, by the end, I liked him. Yeah, I enjoyed him too. I've seen him in like a few other things. He's fun. Joel Fry he has his charm. Uh, he, I like him making fun of Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> that got to me. Um, all right. Well, uh, I don't know what else we can. Anything else? Any other comments on the on the film? I think we've covered it pretty. Wait, I'm just curious. Uh, not good or bad, but as just as a uh, film production thing, did. Boyle do was had Boyle been planning to do this or was this like when he dropped out of James Bond was it like oh I'll just go do this movie because yeah, it, he was he was already working on this when he was tapped for James Bond so I mean it it didn't interfere with the uh, you know he wasn't like hired on or came on last second as as far as I understand oh okay yeah I mean because it it feel I mean it it's it is it's not a super visual film or anything it, it doesn't have to be yeah I'd say like I mean I, I like I, I think a lot of people like to say Steve Jobs is more of a Sorkin movie I I just rewatched Steve Jobs I still think it's I think Boyle style is very evident in it as well as as Sorkin's I think this is less of a Boyle movie than than most other Boyle movies not written you know not directly written by or whatever involving Boyle like I think it his touch is there but it doesn't seem as evident it does like the Richard Curtisness of it does feel pretty you know right up front there i would agree i would agree and uh well just curious does uh steve jobs hold up it's one of my I, favorites i think it's great yeah I, I just i still really like it a lot um yeah i really i really dig that one um but uh but yeah i just so yeah i was just wondering about the Boyle thing uh i'm not a huge Boyle fan i do really like steve jobs um but i remember asking you about that and and i would say that whether you like or don't like yesterday it really is more curtis it's really more the scripts you there of that, Joe? Yeah, no, I I concur. Although I I feel like I still see a lot of uh, you know Boyle prints on the film. The I agree. Point. No, I, like I see, and I'm a I I think I'm a big I know I'm a bigger fan of Boyle than Peter is. I like Boyle quite a bit, and I there's a lot of like angles where it's like, all right, let's just put the camera here for this shot. Like, it's a lot uh, of that kind of stuff Dutch going angles, on. Yeah, you, exactly. Yeah, a lot of Dutch yeah, angles. Yeah. The, a lot of like, <laughs> like when Sheeran and other people like walk into Jack's parents' place, there's like a blurriness behind a door shot. And it's like, all right, I, yeah, there's, there's just stuff there that, yeah, certainly 
it does feel like a directed movie. It doesn't feel like it's just kind of a product. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And I liked I liked his parents as long as you're bringing oh, up. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, they were fun. Yeah, like I think, like aside from like, and I don't, I don't even think, I don't, wouldn't even say like McKinnon was unfunny. I just think aside from that character, I thought the most of the comedy in this movie worked as far as comedy goes. Like I think the, the ramification, like seeing what else has disappeared in this new Beatlesless world, I thought that was a fun running joke. Oh, that's going to become a meme at some point. I mean, uh, it's inevitable. Yeah. What would Google be mean? The the idea of him discovering what else does not exist anymore, like in him. Googling. Oh yeah, totally. I yeah. was on pins and needles for the Star Wars thing, and I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. <laughs> but like, God, I was like, please don't, please don't search that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, when should people go and see Yesterday, Joseph? When should people see this movie? When? Yeah theater at a dollar theater at home oh, a theater absolutely just go see it it you know experience the collective positive energy with the rest of the audience so yeah go check it out peter um i i mean well of course i do like the theater experience uh i i feel like if you are one of those people who has like a, a movie pass or an amc thing uh i would agree um, but if, you know, if it's kind of expensive and stuff, I would be like, yeah, you could wait for Netflix or Blu-ray. It's fine. Yeah, I'm like right there on the edge where I do think like, Joe, you said the kind of the audience experience of like, hey, we're all hearing Beatles songs. Isn't this great? Like, I like that aspect of it. At the same time, I do wish that there was room for more for me as far as what this kind of set up. So I'm like, eh, you can probably wait for this on a on a, I don't know, on a rental or uh, seeing on you know streaming at some point, but uh, I still again I still think the movie's good, just not great as it could have been. But uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on, guys. Let's get to our next review for Annabelle Comes Home. Nice doll. That's what you think. Did it work? The evil is contained. How could you not tell me you're babysitting for the Warrens tonight? Mwah. We'll be back early tomorrow morning. Have fun. Don't your parents keep any creepy stuff around? We keep it all locked away in a room. It's not good for anyone to go in there. My dad says that everything in there is either haunted, cursed, or used in some ritualistic practice. That should have been some of the trailer for Annabelle Comes Home. Just when you thought it was safe to go back to the Warrens' house, here comes Annabelle... <laughs> comes home a film that serves as a sequel to Annabelle following the prequel that was Annabelle creation which came after the nun and after the conjuring but before the conjuring 2 and before the curse of La Llorona cool it's about a doll that's a conduit for evil and the Warrens have a lot of evil things in their basement that go after their daughter Judy and her babysitters uh let's start with uh start with Peter this time Peter where have you been with the conjuring universe and what do you think of this movie um I have I've I've been a fan since the first film i mean like i remember wait were, were we both the same screening i mean i think it was on the warner brothers lot and uh I, you know i liked insidious and stuff so uh yeah yeah i i really like the conjuring i would say i have in i have enjoyed i have not seen the curse of la llorona is that the name la llorona la llorona i have not seen that one i did miss that um i've seen six of them the only one that i really think is a bad film is the nun like even the first annabelle i know a lot of people think a lot of issues but there are things about the first annabelle that i'm like no oh, that's okay i think creation is way better but 
Um, so yeah, I guess I, I would say I'm a fan and, and I definitely think that unlike what Universal tried with the mummy, I think that this has somewhat organically become kind of a nice extended universe of like started as the conjuring and now we've got the nun and the Annabelle and all that. Yeah. You know, I, so I would say I'm a fan. Yeah. Where are you with this movie? Uh, I think it's right in the middle for me. I think I enjoyed that it all pretty much mostly pretty much takes place in just the Warren's house. Uh, I like the and one day, like it's, a, yeah, it's basically day, like I, one long day with like two bookends. <laughs> and I, I, uh, you know, someone brought this up for me. I don't think this is a major spoiler, but someone who had not seen Annabelle comes home. He was asking me, he's like, you know, he's like, am I wrong? He's like in the, in these conjuring movies, people don't really die in them. And I was thinking about the conjuring. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's true. They, they might get scared and terrified. I don't remember none. I think people might actually might More die. people die in the spinoffs than they do the conjuring. So yeah, because in the conjuring, it's families. So we don't really kill the kids or anything. I mean, yeah, the nun, they're generally like setups. Like the nun and Annabelle, people die at the beginning to be like, there's this thing, and look what it did this one time. And then the rest of it's like, oh, now we're being scared a lot. Like that seems to be kind of the setups for these right. movies. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I enjoyed this one. I, I, again, I really liked the leads, and I, I thought. I, you know, kind of like, um, what was it, uh, Mike Flanagan, the second Ouija movie, what was that Ouija called? Ouija Origin of Evil. Origin of Evil. That and Annabelle Comes Home, I would say, are somewhat on the same level in the sense of, like, you know, kind of a nice sense of period, like, detail, like, a lightness to it. Not too scary, but, like, kind of some fun thrills. And that's how I felt about Ouija, the second one, and the second Annabelle, where the, fir- where the first entries in both films, I thought, were, you know bad and i was like oh well then like flanagan and david f sandberg who did who's been on to do shazam like they came in being guys with just frankly more poor cred and just kind of delivered like i was just really happy with like this uh yeah totally um i think um uh, one thing i'm curious about is like it is hard and i don't know if you guys thought this too but you know a big big portion of the setup of annabelle comes home is that you know if you've seen the conjuring you know, the Warrens have this room that they keep. That's where Annabelle is and all these magical items or, or these these uh, possessed or maybe items. And did you guys think when you're watching this, when it's like there's the ferrymen that it was like, well, they're basically just like throwing us. Oh, I, yeah. I wrote in my review. Yeah. It's basically like spot the spinoff. The movie. <laughs> <laughs> See what people think and be like, maybe oh that'll be a spinoff or whatever. Like, so. Um, I, but I, I look forward to like tortured samurai suit the movie like that's yeah. what I was really looking forward to. Uh, well, and then there's the bride, the weird bride creepiness mm-hmm. thing. Um, but I this is a weird thing. I would say that, yeah. I mean, if you ask me, I it's weird. A part of me would. This is one of those weird things where I'm like, well, I guess yesterday is a better movie. But I enjoyed Annabelle Comes Home more. I mean, again, it's an expectations thing, maybe. But like, I had a, like I can see watching Annabelle Comes Home again. Like when it comes out, I'll be like, well, I'll watch that. Like the it's like fun. It's like ninety minutes. I don't think it's very long. You know, yeah, it's actually over long. <laughs> I think it's, that, it's, yes, it's yeah. an hour. It's an it hour really and forty six minutes, and oh it's like God. this could have been a tight ninety. Oh, you're but, probably uh, right. You're probably yeah. You're right. And actually, if the pr- criticisms I do have are really more the last act shenanigans. Um, but I don't know. I I mostly enjoy it. I mean, on the Aaron scale, it's like a, you know, six or six point five out of ten. But 
I mean, I'm not angry or anything. I, yeah. Well, I mean, first up, give me my scale back. You have it, and I want it. But also, <laughs> um, Joe, where where are you with this? Uh, I, I, you know, I love The Conjuring. Um, I just feel like the more they extend these movies into making them this kind of overarching franchise, it sort of taints the individuality of each film. And I think when I'm starting to see things repeat that actually makes me more upset, even if it's executed well. What do you mean? uh, Just the way the jump scares are employed, the way everything builds to crescendo where it's like, you know, everything starts off small, you know, and then all of a sudden all these demons are just everywhere. And I mean, it just, it's the same sort of dramatic arc over and over and over again. And again, you guys made made a good point that no one really loses their life in these movies. So the stakes... After a time, you can tell that nothing's going to happen. So it's like my investment is not as strong because I know that nothing ultimately is going to go too bad. Um, I mean, I like this movie. I mean, there were, uh, I think, who was the, that one, the fairy man, the fairy man with the eyes, like that was amazing. But then again, they could have cut for like, there was an entire scene uh, like a doppelganger type of scene that I thought could have been easily removed. Like I, I, I didn't, I thought that was just too much. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was okay. I just, I, I honestly think that Annabelle works better as a solo act. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I think throwing in all these things, I mean, I understand the night of the museum comparisons, I guess, but it just, if I don't have any attachment to these creatures or demons or know about their origin, it just, they're not, they're just, provide you know jump scare substitution for me it's just not i don't know i just i'm very much underwhelmed even actually i enjoyed it as i watched it then later on thinking about it i got a little more angry i I was just like mm, you know mm -hmm. i I kind of felt that about yesterday honestly (laughs) it's like i enjoyed (laughs) watching it but like the premise there's so much here you can do i i'm with peter as far as expectation goes as far as i don't need annabelle comes home it's it's not like there's a high bar for it to clear to be like this is a satisfying horror experience. It's the third Annabelle film, which is a spinoff of The Conjuring. Wait, okay, so mm-hmm. really, it's sort of like Civil War and the fact that I was about to say really this, yeah, Conjuring mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. and not another Annabelle film. Yeah, because it, does, it really I mean, it does... doesn't tie anything to the other two except for the doll itself. Yeah, but at the same time, the Warrens are pretty absent for most of the movie, so it's like it's not quite a conjuring movie but i get what you're saying because i agree it is it is a crossover film as far as we're bringing the warrens into this and it's annabelle and it's all these other things combined and they fight on an airport for some reason but i mean no it's uh, as far as like going into this i'm thinking i really like creation so at the very least they seem to have an idea of how they can keep this going compared to the first annabelle which i really didn't like i feel like they got Mm -hmm. the vibe of what they wanted to do here and what i actually appreciate because i don't disagree with what you're saying joseph as far as like the scares and how this works, because even The Conjuring, which I'm not as big on as I know a lot of people are, I do respect it as far as what it's doing, but I do think it... I just prefer Insidious, I guess, as far as Wands, Haunted House movies go. I think that's the better film. But I agree. But I I do, like... I agree with you as far as the formula for these Conjuring-type movies that rely on the score and on jump scares or whatnot, although I do think they're deployed a little more reasonably in this movie. Um, But it also brings it down from creation for me, where creation... It goes big on the jump scares, but it's also, it, it feels like a fun house. It feels like a big ride of a movie, where this one feels a little bit more personal, which is like Civil War. <laughs> the, the stakes are, 
they're not so much about whether or not these kids are going to die, but like what their personal journey seems to be. And I thought I was going to dislike this movie at first when the Daniela character goes into the Warren's room and just starts touching everything. And I'm like, come on. (laughs) I get that you're a teenager. I get the logic of like, don't touch the stove and they're going to touch it anyway. I understand that. But at the same time, it's like, we're really not justifying the reason why, but then it does. It gives you a reason why she's doing this. There's a there's a per, there's a personal reason why she go wants to go in this room and takes Annabelle out of the case and does all this stuff. And I I got that. Like I I thought that was actually pretty good. At the same time, the young uh, what's her name McKenna Grace is Judy, the Warren's daughters. I think she's very good here. I think she, the idea of her being kind of bullied at school because her parents are in the news and the people don't know what to think like there's something kind of heartbreaking about her like wanting to have a birthday party and like she gives an invitation to Daniela who she just met and like if she says no like that means like only one person's going to come to her birthday like there's something there's something touching about that of like this kid stuck in this situation and then yeah having the the other the babysit Mary Ellen who like has this doppelganger thing that you're mentioning Joseph like that feels like it's only there because she has nothing to do in this movie besides like react to what the other two are going through so it's like I get, I, there's a lot, there's a bigger movie than needed here as far as here's the concept and here's what we're delivering on. But I do like that it gives you like, it gives you enough to work with, with two of the key characters that I'm just kind of like into this story. Like, I don't feel like they're ever going to be, I don't think they're going to die in this movie, but at the same time I do, I like that there's a bit of a journey that they're going on personally, which is why it helps that it's only set on one night and not like you know, a bunch of nights. Like, Cause I kept thinking, it's like, why is she going to sleep right now? She knows there's, she knows there's dolls out there. Like, this isn't a good time to go to bed. Like, that's not going to help anybody. <laughs> right. That's what frustrated me. Like it took all of, it could take all of a couple seconds to just grab the doll really quick. I mean, literally there's so many instances where she could have easily put, put Annabelle put back, back into her little glass box. And it was just like, it, it was just overly draw, like drawing that. It draws out. stuff. I, I agree. I also, but I also like some of the, the lengths they go to, to like keep the kids in the house there's a very specific reason why it involves this character, Bob, and what he's dealing with outside of the house. It's like, there's fun. Like, I had fun with the movie, like, despite, in spite of itself in some cases. I think because the characters, I think, were good enough for me. And honestly, I do like the style of these movies. With Gary Doberman, who wrote the Annabelle movies and The Nun and has kind of been in this series, he's not... Like James Wan is the Kevin Feige of the of the Conjuring universe, but yeah. Gary, but Doberman seems to like he seems to get the style, and I like it. Like it, it hasn't grown old for me. I I don't I like I wasn't sitting there thinking this is scary, but at the same time I like that he seems to have learned the proper rules for how these movies are supposed to work. Like it feels honestly like a Conjuring for kids. Like it's the lightest R rating I've seen ever i think like i don't i don't know it's almost offensive to have that movie be rated on because i don't i don't really understand the reason behind that like i it feels like they're arguing for it to be r as opposed to arguing for it to be pg-13 at this point like that's like what what it's come down to because all the other ones are r so it's like well you know we said you know we said fuck once and we have a movement that's kind of bloody so it's like that's it and it's like this is not an r-rated movie but even if regardless i do think it plays like a more of a kid teen centered conjuring film, which I kind of appreciate. It's like, it's, it's a little bit above goosebumps, but it still kind of fits as far as you can watch this movie and kind of like have fun with it. Like if you're, you know, younger, like as far as horror movies go, like there's stuff there. Like, yeah. So I, I think we all kind of agree as far as it's not great, but it's still like, there's fun to be had with this movie. Is that fair? It is. I just, it just confused. I mean, I get frustrated when I'm seeing like 
such widely different reactions to two movies that come out on the same weekend when I feel like I just I feel like one has just something so much more to offer. And then it's hard not to compare because they you're just like back to back seeing them. So it's just like I'm just confused why this particular movie <laughs> is getting up. I feel like Annabelle is giving getting way more of a pass than yesterday is. I think maybe it has to do with the Beatles attachment, but I just feel as a movie as a whole, one is clearly superior to the other. I'll say, I mean, I've watched like 12 movies in the past like four <laughs> days. Like, the, the idea of them being close to each other means nothing to me. But I, I, I mean, we just talked about it yesterday, but I do feel like Annabelle Comes Home lives up to what I expected third Annabelle movie to go to, where yesterday I think has more poten- greater potential to reach. I don't, I, that, that's as far as putting them together. I mean, that's kind of where it comes down for me. I don't, I, I know I'm not personally giving it a pass. And like, even then, like, this movie has what, like a, I can't imagine the average critic score being all that high it's, for Annabelle. It has a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, I mean, it's, it's not 70. being collected like, in the, the box the cri- office. What's and... the critic score? It's like, what is it? Where, where is this thing? Where is why are these things so hard to, to find? The right Metacritic now? score is like mid mid to high fifties. I know that the Rotten Tomato, I believe, is seventy percent. It's seventy percent, but I'm trying to see what the average critic score is of it. Like, oh, I see. Okay, that I'm like, not sure. Yeah, I can't. Seemed I can't imagine it being like above, like very high above seven or six. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, Peter, where were you on this? Right, where, where do you think? Well, no, I, I know what I, I get what he's saying and stuff. I mean, but I, I certainly like. I love the trailer for yesterday, and I was and and when Annabelle had a, Annabelle comes home, I was like, okay, I guess we're just doing another one of these. Like, so you're right. Expectations are some, and obviously the pedigree. It's like it's Danny Boyle. It's Curtis, or Richard, Richard Curtis, is that his name? Richard Curtis, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, perhaps I'm being harder on yesterday than I am on Annabelle Comes Home, which, by the way, I completely forgot that that was rated R. That's not rated R. <laughs> like, uh, I was like, wait, what? That's rated R? Like, um, um, but but I like I will say, I I do think that when these come out, you know, when they're on Netflix or Blu-ray, I can see... And that could just be a taste thing. I can see watching, you know, maybe I'll be like, oh, when Conjuring 3 comes out, I'm going to be like, I'm going to watch all the, I'm going to watch all the Conjuring movies, you know, like I, I just don't know if yesterday, if I would ever need to see it again. And I do think that, I don't know, man, it's always really tricky because it's like, I don't, I hate when people, I don't like, I shouldn't say hate people, but I get frustrated when a person sees a movie and because the movie didn't do what they wanted it to do, it is it's like that's a bad thing. And I I I get that, but I I don't know. I feel like yesterday there really was a lot of potential there. I, I'm not necessarily saying because they didn't specifically do something the movie is lacking, but I feel like there's a lot there they couldn't have they could have explored, and it didn't seem that they did. So I feel like that's a fair assessment like, I, I feel like and i'm not even a, I'm not... what you would have taken away from what was presented in terms of i mean are we talking about like a two and a half hour like musical drama like i like that's what i'm kind of like well i mean i, I just i if we're going back to i mean i think if you want to talk about a movie that involves the the thought of the beatles being this very important thing to a person and now nobody else knows them except him I do think there's a way to explore that that could still incorporate the romantic comedy thing, but also just have something, if anything at all, to say about the Beatles beyond just recognizing that their music's very good. I I would, like, for example, I wouldn't say that, is it Julie Taymor's Across the Universe? I don't love that movie, 
But I do think that movie does have things to say about the Beatles while also presenting a, a romance story. Like, it is trying I, to I do something about it. Both films are trying... They have two different directions and goals that they're trying to, to aim for. And I feel like this movie was clear... It, it's one of those movies that, I mean, I guess it's a, like... They pull the rug from under you for a reason, I feel like. They make you think one, one thing at first, and then they completely switch it up. And then you can still appreciate the Biddles, but for me at least, I can actually, like, say, you know, I guess we don't really need them, but, I mean, I'm glad that they're here. But, I mean, for me, what matters most is that, you know, these characters have the happy ending that they do. I mean, that might I mean, selfish, but is it, but like that? But I, that doesn't that like sound doesn't that sound life. really selfish when you say that? Like, I guess we don't really need the Beatles. Those like the Beatles <laughs> are a very important band. Like, they I feel are like... an important band. But I mean, would you stake everything on them over your own happiness? Like, I think that was the oh, like I don't think this movie is trying to say like oh, you guys are awful or that you don't even exist. But I think that uh, I mean, as the struggling musician, I think he comes to realize that some things are greater than you know what I'm trying to aim for career-wise. And I I think the people that that have seen yesterday and have less than favorable reactions are coming at it from a, well, that's nice, but also this could have been this. Like, and it's not to say the movie should have been this, but it's more like, it's it's frustrating to have to wrap my mind around a story that set itself up to be something more interesting than it actually was. I would agree. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I could say and I, that. And I know you're not alone as far as people that have just, I just accepted the movie. For me, also. I just <laughs> took the journey. I didn't really care where I ended up as Fair. long as it wasn't, you know, overly, you know, offensive or, mm-hmm. you know, completely the other direction where I expected it to go. But it was just, I kind of just went with it. And I was like, okay, wow, I I was on this character's journey. And that's really what I stuck with. So Fair enough. For this <laughs> movie, which the, for Annabelle Comes Home, which the audience score, or the, sorry, the, the critics where I found is 6.03 out of 10. So it's 6 out of 10. So it's like everybody's giving it like a, yeah, it's fine. Which I think is where we all are, honestly, with this movie. I do think as far as its potential goes, yeah, the Warrens are involved. So like that's kind of neat as far as like we've crossed over these universes even more so than we have in previous Annabelle films. But it's like, I really don't know how high we were supposed to, you know, expect the turnout to be as far as, you know, the, a, a horror reckoning. It, like it, it, it delivers a movie that involves Annabelle. It gives her something new. Like I mean, Joe, I, you're, you're saying like I wish it, you know, stuck more with just Annabelle. But at the same time, it's like, well, I've seen two Annabelle movies. Like, what else is there really to do with her? I like the idea of her being this kind of, as they say, a conduit, and she's in a position where she can infect all the other evil things around her. I thought that's a, that's a cool premise to me as far as these movies go, and I was into it. I, I was into kind of the low expectation of, well, it'll probably be fine, and it turned out, yeah, it was fine. Like, it, it, I was enjoying it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was fine. Yep, I mean... Like, I was going off the high of creation, which is still, for me, is my favorite Conjuring Universe movie. I just really had fun with it. Um, and I was like, all right, we're, I, we're doing more of this, I guess. Like, it, it's fine. Curi- Wait, uh, just curious. Have we all seen Child's Play? We have. Yeah. Doll. Did we all like this better? Yes. Oh, much, much more. Yes, very much so. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, obviously, they're not exactly the same, but they're both dolls, so... Yeah, I mean, it's the third killer doll movie of two weeks. This to Toy Story 4, of course, in Childhood. <laughs> it's, my, it's my second favorite, so... <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, from, as far as that, like, 
even the basic concept of the moves are very different, though, because, like, Chucky moves. Annabelle just kind of, like, appears in places and doesn't seem to physically do anything. And that's what makes her scarier for me, at least. Yeah, I agree. Me too. There's just a a lingering dread that's there where it's like... Is she going to come alive? Is she not, like... Yeah. No, Peter, yeah. it's like that Simpsons episode where there's there's that that dog with the shifty eyes. It's like I don't know what it's up to, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 something's going on. <laughs> uh, I liked seeing uh, the Warrens in here. Like it, it's fun to have P- Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga like pop in. Uh, Wilson is like I can you know I thought of this just looking at their house, but I'm like this feels like if the Brady Bunch like weren't home at night and what it would look like with the lights off. And then Patrick Wilson steps in and he's like, he's full Mike Brady in this movie. Like his so his so his seventies vibe is so like just like G golly and like very positive despite what they do for a living. But I'm into it. I like I like those characters. Like their 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 relationship as you know husband and wife as well as Ghostbusters. I mean it, it works. <laughs> yeah, they were good. They were good. To, uh, little intro there. Quick easy uh, check to cash. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so just curious, because um, I haven't seen The Curse, but is The Nun, do we all think that's the worst one? Or By is... far, yes. Definitely. Annabelle's the worst one for me. No, no, no. The Nun is, I mean... Uh... I dozed off in the middle of Annabelle. You think the, I first, wasn't... An... You think the first animal is worse than The Nun? Yes. Really? <laughs> I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't. I mean, you have Annabelle. I mean, by that alone, it makes it a million times. Well, if anything, that makes it worse because it had something that was so good, and yet it still made me mad. <laughs> like, I mean, that's. I mean, I I think the problem I had with Annabelle, or not Annabelle, um, the thing I had with the nun, and you know what? It's certainly possible that maybe I was in a weird mood or something, but like, I honestly didn't think there was much coherence at all to the to the movie. I was oh, very there's not. No, there's. What's I mean, most on? most Why? ghost stories have no coherence because it's like, wait, what's your actual goal? Because like, I never really know that. Like, even this movie kind of gives you an idea of what it's trying to do, but at the same time, it's like. Why not just do this to begin with and get it over with? Why is it taking like seven hours for it to like scare the pants off kids before it's like, and now I want your soul. Like, why don't yeah. we just start with taking the soul and then we're done with it tonight? Like, I mean, so for you, do you like just... That, that's, that, that's like every paranormal activity movie, which I like. I'm a huge fan of that series. And yet everyone's like, you know, you can just stop opening and closing the door when they're not looking and just <laughs> go out and get on with it already. Like, I don't know what the point is here. Wait, so I'm just curious. Do you just, do you prefer... So because if that's not a problem for you... Do you just prefer the nun? Like, you think it's just more effective with scares than Annabelle and stuff? I mean, I'm assuming I think you had probably higher expectations considering the characters. What you're saying, then, right? Uh, I mean, again, I dozed off in the middle of Annabelle. I just, I just wasn't. In, the movie wasn't doing much for me, and you have like Alfred Woodard there, who I think is a very good actor, and she's just like, bleh. Like, it, it just, it, it feels like. It's because I remember it started out really neat. Like, didn't it involve like a Manson type thing going on? Like, was oh, it I did like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, that. Yeah. So it's like it felt like it just like went very quickly downhill from there. As far as now, we're just trapped in a boring apartment for the whole movie. Where the nun, while I wouldn't say it's really great at capitalizing off its very gothic setting, I do think it still had that. And I think there's some stuff that was effective to me on a more frequent level. Again, neither of these are good movies. Like, I don't, I don't like either of them, but I just, if I'm going to stack them against each other, I can remember more about The Nun than I can the first Annabelle. Hmm. All right. Well, I wait. Mean, in, the, in the scheme of things, guys, like, is the, are the, the, the latter two entries of the Conjuring universe really going to matter as far as which one's better? I mean, do you, right, so you're, you're what's your, for both of you, what are your, what's your top three? Do so you think Creation's the best one? 
I I mean, con- creation conjuring in this movie. Honestly, that's that's where I'm at. Really, I would say uh, conjuring. Oh my god, I I'm still probably gonna have to go with conjuring two and then creation. I mean, it's just James Wan. I mean, what what can I say? I mean, at least he does something. Even if his jump, he even like reinvents his own jump scares. So it's like I I find that cool. That's fair, and like I haven't, I've only seen con, I've I've only seen all of these movies once, so it's like maybe if I gave him another run through, I might have a new thought on him. But like I, because I, I like all of these about besides creation, I like all of these about the same, like these two conjurings and creation. Yeah, like, they all just kind of stick together in my mind as far as like yeah, I had fun. Like and there's enough style here that kind of sets it slightly above some of the other stuff where like and just I don't know, creation was so like. Let's see what happens. And I was so like, I think that's more of, that was more of an expectations thing as far as what could have come out of this versus what I expected. And I was like, oh, this is a surprise. Like, I'm really into the the kind of wacky, let's go to an old house in the prairie type thing and just set a doll loose. Like, I was into that. <laughs> we're, we're conjuring, conjuring too. Like, yeah, I enjoyed them. I thought with conjuring, my biggest issue was I thought the best scare was in the trailer that I saw like for three months in a row before the movie finally came out. So I was like, there's not much better here for me, and it just turns into an exorcism movie, which I'm always kind of lukewarm on when it comes to those. Um, and Conjuring 2 is fine. Like, they have a sing-along at one point, right? And there's a thin man walking around. Oh, I like the sing-along. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> I remember thinking, isn't Conjuring 2 the one where it's like there's some old man ghosts, and it's like, is he like by the TV set or something? That's a pretty good scene, as yeah. I recall. Like that. I mean, whole... yeah, I don't think we're gonna have much uh, discrepancy when it comes to how James Wan sets up scares. He's pretty good at that. Like, I, yes. I agree. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I. Uh, it sounds like none of us are saying we think the Conjuring universe is excellent. Like, I mean, I enjoy them. I look forward, but yeah, I don't think any of them are like ten out of ten. Or I would say, I mean, Conjuring, the first Conjuring, I think is masterful, but the other ones, I mean. They're pretty much derivative, right? I mean, by comparison. I mean, yeah, they're they're like you said, they're they're doing the same kind of thing. Yeah. I just I still in, like the same with Paranormal Activity. I just enjoy that kind of thing. I'm not gonna put it on a pedestal, but I'm still into what it's offering. Like it's, right. you know, I I'd, I'd rather see more of this than like the Bye Bye Man Two Bye Bye Again. <laughs> well, I never saw that. Um, he yeah. says Bye Bye. No, it doesn't. No one says bye bye in that movie. But it, well, actually, a lot of people say bye bye because they say bye bye man over and over again. <laughs> but, um, it's not a good movie. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on Annabelle Comes Home that dovetailed back into yesterday before coming back to Annabelle Comes Home? <laughs> is Conjuring Three the next one, the next movie? Yeah, twenty twenty. We're supposed to get Conjuring Three, which is directed by the person that did the Curse of La Llorona, which, oh. which I. I wasn't a huge fan of either, but I do think it was very well directed. I was a fan of the look and feel of that movie. So, like, if yeah. if Juan's not coming back, I hope that I should know this name too. I can keep, keep saying <laughs> the director, Chris Lyre, you know. Michael, Michael Chavez. I I'd like to think that he can, you know, take up the Juan mantle for the next Conjuring film and do something cool with it. I, I'm curious to see what it does because I what I like about those Conjuring is that they are based off things that happened as opposed to these you know, Annabelle and Nun movies, which are just like, yeah, spinoff, <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> like, Well, I know that um, the guy who directed, what did you say his name is? Michael Chavez. Michael Chavez. He direct, the first thing I saw, because I have not seen that film, the first thing I saw of his was that uh, Billie Eilish, Bury a Friend. And I remember when I watched the music video, 
I was like, oh, it's kind of like the conjuring. I was like, but it's very effective. So then someone's like, oh, he's actually doing the next conjuring. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, um, so, huh. <laughs> I'd be, so it's, well, I mean, that's, that to me is, that's a positive thing. If you guys are saying it's well directed. So that makes me want to see it. Like it's, it had a lot of, for me, it had a lot of Sam Raimi in it. Like there's a lot of like the cameras moving around in a kind of a fun way vibe going on. Like it's not entirely, it, it, it's another case of, what's this ghost doing when it's not trying to possess these kids? It's like, it seems like you got your case right here for you. You can take this kid, kill him, do whatever you want, but instead it's like, eh, I'm just going to scare him a bunch for a while and then I'll get to it eventually. Like that, it's just like, all right. I don't, the rules of this, of, of ghosts are baffling to me. And if I like to know something, it's what the rules of ghosts are, I guess. So, but um, yeah, anything else? I think we're, I think we're set on this. Where, when should people go and see Annabelle comes home? Peter? I mean, uh, I like seeing horror films with a crowd. So if you're a fan of the series, like, yeah, go go check it out. Late night movie. But I mean, if you're not, then absolutely you can wait for Netflix or whatever. It's fine. Like, Joe, um, I actually find horror movies to be scarier at home when you're by yourself. Fair. And you don't have to share that fear with anyone else. Um, so it's I would say just wait. And I actually saw Annabelle Creation on home videos so and i loved it and it terrified me so if this one is lesser to me i would say for sure definitely wait somehow i've seen all of these movies in theaters it's so bad like this series been, this, there's seven movies now i've seen all of these in theaters like these are my memories <laughs> like, have, i've seen the i've seen the conjuring universe <laughs> um i i i agree as far like i could watch horror movies at home or in theaters like i, I like both the audience reaction as well as the like Oh, it's very quiet around here, and I'm having a good time, but I'm also like, hmm, what's going on in that dark room that I didn't close the door to beforehand? Like, there's there's that kind of fun feeling. Um, with that regard, yeah, I mean, if you like seeing these kinds of movies with an audience, go see with an audience, it's fine. But at the same time, you could easily wait for this to be on HBO, and you'll get the sufficient amount of, you know, entertainment that you probably expect from a, the Annabelle, the third Annabelle film. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, cool. We've got through the first two reviews of the evening. <laughs> let's um, let's move on now. Let's get to um, let's let's get to let's get to some games. That's yes, that's right. That was the, that was the improv theme for games. That's that's what I play in Annabelle's crib. Um, <laughs> I have a game for you guys. It is called All Dem Awards. This is a this is a game where I'm going to. I'm going to name filmmakers or actors involved in the Conjuring or Annabelle universe, and I'm going to ask you how many award nominations they've had. Oh, wow. uh, it should be pretty straightforward, but uh, there's there, there's some there's some fun to be had here. So let's uh, and for bonus points, if you can name what awards they were nominated for, I'll I'll, I'll be impressed. Um, but here, okay, here's my first one. Uh, how many Oscars has Danny Boyle been nominated for? Peter. I mean, you can both say that. But yeah, Peter, what, what do you, how many Oscars do you think he's been nominated for? Uh, I can only think of two, so I'm going to go with two. Okay. Joseph, how many do you think Danny Boyle's been nominated for? Um, I'm trying to think. I know of two offhand. I'm just going to go with three, just because. <laughs> well, you're actually right. It is three. He's, won, he's been nominated for three Oscars. <laughs> um, he was nominated. Do you, do you have an idea of which ones? I know 127 Hours. I know Slumdog Millionaire. And I don't know if he had a writing credit at some point, but that's what I'm thinking. He did, but and I'm... you know, I would have guessed on Train Spotting, which he didn't. I think he co-wrote that with Boy, 
with both Roy, but uh, no, he had a he had a co he had a adapted screenplay nomination for 127 hours also. Okay, that's what I mean. And it was right. just a, and it was just best picture for, 20, but not directing for 127 hours. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. He won for best Sundown Millionaire, obviously. Yeah. Um, second part of that question, this is because this is fun. How many award circuit community awards was Danny Boyle nominated for? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> circuit community. Uh, jo- Joseph writes I for feel award circuit. Attacked. Oh <laughs> um, my goodness! God, I hope no one from my site re- like listens to this. I'm gonna uh, make sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So if we're just going, has Danny Boyle himself? Yes. Oh, trying to, I'm trying to list categories in my head. Let's see. <laughs> Uh, I'll say this: they're in the ones you'd expect. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's got to be between four and six, right? I mean, I don't. Maybe four or five. Do I have to settle on a number? Yeah, one number would be good. Uh, let's just go with five. I don't know. Well, you're right. It's five. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. <laughs> it's one twenty-seven for picture, directing, and screenplay. He also won for director for Slumdog and best director for Train Spotting back in '96. Oh wow! Okay, good. Yeah, I know the um, the AC readers are very enthusiastic, and they have their their favorites from back in the day. So that doesn't surprise me. Okay, here's the next one. How many Oscars has Richard Curtis been nominated for? Uh, Peter three. Okay, Joe. I'm going to go with two. It's actually one. Okay. What? Mm-hmm. Is it Notting Hill? It's not Notting Hill. Huh. Uh, Notting Hill, is it Love Actually? It's not, it's not Love Actually. <laughs> what else is, well, those are the big ones. Uh, well, not quite as big oh, as wait. this one. Uh, is he Four Weddings and a Funeral? It's Four Weddings and a Funeral. Damn it, yeah. I okay. forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the most successful and the one that's aged the best. Um, but, um, <laughs> bonus, how many award circuit community awards for Richard Curtis? Oh, my God. Um, uh, I'm just going to ballpark and say three. It's two. Okay. Uh, Lo- Love Actually and Four Weddings and a Funeral. Okay. All right. Here's the next one. It's for Patrick Wilson. How many Oscars has Patrick Wilson been nominated for? Zero. It's zero. I don't need to stretch this out. It's, it's zero. <laughs> <laughs> he has two Golden Globe nominations, but also how many award circuit community nominations does he have? I'm trying to think of any movies that he would be nominated. I, I want to say it's either zero or one. Um, I'm trying to think what he's been in. That's like people really wanted him to be nominated. Let's just say one because of Little Children. It, it's exactly right. Okay. It is one for little children. That's okay. correct. I know yeah. my readers. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> All right. How many Oscars has Vera Farmiga been nominated for? Two. Oh, no. I'm sorry. One. One. I was going to say one. One. Yeah. One. Yeah. There's it's one that... not The Departed. I'm like, it's not no. The Departed. <laughs> oh, I forgot about it's The Departed. <laughs> yeah. I that's just... why it'd be really weird if it was two and one was The Departed because like that was hardly a character. It's definitely not The Departed. It's up in the air. Is yeah, it, no. is it uh, up in the air? Yeah, it's, it's up in yeah. the air. Yeah. yeah it's okay. How many awards circuit community awards have you nominated for? Um, good lord. Um, I'm just going to go with one again. It is three. Three? Is, yeah, one for supporting and up in the air, one for ensemble and up in the air. One for ensemble in that's right, The Departed. Got it. Our ensemble. <laughs> yes. Now I'm okay. Okay. 
Last one. How many Oscars has James Wan been nominated for? Zero. It's zero, yes. Um, he unfortunately does not have any awards or community awards. It took, him, <laughs> it took him forever to get an actual Academy invite. That, I was railing against that on Twitter for a long time, and finally they did it. So that was, mm-hmm. that was good to hear, finally. But I do have one last question. How many Fangoria Chainsaw Awards has James Wan been nominated for? Jesus. <laughs> That's right. Is it more than 10? Yeah. It's, it's actually lower than 10. Eight? Oh, okay. It's not as high as you'd think. Oh. Okay, let's go with six. I don't know. Peter, you have a guess? Four. It is three. Oh, Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not sure how long the Fangoria Chainsaw Award's been going on either, because, yeah, his only only wins and nominees are for The Conjuring, um, a nomination for Insidious Chapter 2, and he's a winner of the Fangoria Hall of Fame Award, apparently, as well. Hall of Fame? (laughs) Wow. I'm looking... Again, with the research theme, I'm looking up the Fangoria chains to see how long they've been going on for, because I have to imagine they haven't been going on for very long. Let's see here. Began in 92, but expanded. Okay, so like it is... Okay. Huh. Okay, like it stopped for a while, and then it came back again. Oh, interesting. The Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. I need, I need to do more looking up on this. Because, yeah, I feel like if it, came, it was around in, like, 2004, he'd be getting, like, Saw Awards out the wazoo, right? Specifically the wazoo? <laughs> All right, that was games. That was all them awards. Good job, guys. Good job, Joseph, for going through my award circuit community awards nonsense that I wanted to throw you in. Oh my god. Let's um let's move on now. Let's get to our uh, let's get to the films that we think are the uh, the best films of the year so far. We are at literally the beginning of July, um so that means that we can go through what we think are gonna are the uh, the best films that we've seen in uh, theaters or what have you so far this year, and uh, I think we'll we'll just do this. Uh, kind of quickly lay them out what we each think uh, without kind of going too much into detail and then talk a little bit about it. But, uh, uh, Peter, let's start with you. Um, I would say uh, Booksmart, Us, Toy Story 4, Climax, and... Uh, what am I missing? Those are all pretty good. Um, well, I'll just you know, throw in Endgame. <laughs> but, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, the big ones... <laughs> The four, unless I'm forgetting. Is there an order to that? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, the order would be Booksmart. Man, eh, it might be Us. I don't know. Let's just say Us, Booksmart, Toy Story, Climax, and then I, and then Endgame. All right. Uh, Joseph, what are your uh, top five films of the year so far? All right. The order is Us, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Booksmart, and then here's where things get a little controversial. Aladdin and Yesterday, my top five. Oh, Yesterday made it into the top five. Yesterday made it in, yep. All right. Wow, Aladdin. Uh, I I didn't see Aladdin. Wow, you really liked it. Wow. We'll we'll, we'll talk a little more about it in a second. (laughs) Uh, My uh, top five as of now, starting from five, I have Apollo 11, uh, Toy Story 4, Steven Soderbergh's High Flying Bird, Us, and The Last Black Man in San Francisco. That's my number one. Um, we should talk about some of these and yeah Aladdin you, your Aladdin's in your uh, top five so far this year Aladdin is in my top five it's one of those movies kind of like yesterday where it's just it wins me over so well on certain scenes that I, I'm so willing to forgive some of the flaws and it's one of those films where I can just go back and just like it must be a music thing it has to be a music thing because it's just like you kind of could forgive everything else if you're kind of grooving along 
with the tunes. I mean, I, I really, I don't know. Um, and Will Smith was, I thought, pretty well, pretty, pretty good job there. So. No, fair enough. I mean, I, I like, I overall like Aladdin. It's not a movie that I, like, I'm over the moon about. But I, I like, it's, it's never less than entertaining to me. I think it's, yeah. I think it's too long. I think it doesn't need to be <laughs> over two hours, and it just feels like this emphasizes how good the animated film is at kind of trimming the fat. At the same time, like, it's fine. I wish Jafar was better. The actor, I, I wish there was more over the topness to him. Um, but like it's it's big and colorful. It feels expensive, which is like more than I can say for some of the other Disney remakes that have come oh, out. Yes. Like it, it feels like a movie that like has a big budget and wants to show you that big budget. Um, so you know, it has all those things working for it. Let's see. Uh, I just a point, just to highlight some of mine. Um, I especially specifically a high flying bird, a movie I really like. Uh, that's the Soderbergh film um, about like a basketball strike and the actor uh, Andre Holland. He plays a uh, like a, a sports agent type character. And like, it's his, like he, it's not quite a heist movie, but he has the kind of guile of a guy that's basically working the means to his own end. So he can make something happen while a strike is taking place to both benefit himself and certain basketball players in the process. I, it's from the writer of moonlight and I just really dug the vibe of this movie. It has this kind of quick pace. It's shot on like Soderbergh did his shooting on the iPhone thing again. It, actually, it looks a lot better than the, than unsane from last year, as far as that goes. But even then I just like, like it was such a, like a, the vibe of this movie just worked for me. I think the dialogue is really sharp. There's a lot of like actors that pop up um, and just kind of nail what's being going, going for. I, I, even if like, and I'm not a big sports guy, but regard without that, the, even then the dialogue and how kind of in the, in the zone it is and in, how much inside baseball there in a basketball movie, inside baseball type dialogue there is going on. I, I wasn't concerned with how much I was understanding in terms of the world of the sport that's being talked about, but I still like, I just felt like it was, it was hitting me in all the right ways as far as what it's trying to accomplish. So I was just really big on that film. Um, yeah, it worked for me quite well. Uh, we all had Us on our list. We all really we like did. Us. Peter, you have anything to add on Us? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Us is... I I think Us is a better film than Get Out. Uh, I, now, now, I know you can't repeat the zeitgeist that Get Out was, um, but as much as I like Get Out, uh, and I've seen it twice, um, I kind of feel like I got everything I needed to get out of Get Out, even out of the first, first viewing, even though the second time is still... I still think it's terrific. Whereas with us, I don't know, man, there's a lot there. It, it just feels like there's a lot to unpack. And, and unfortunately, I think for some viewers, that unpacking quality is what made, I think, some people not hot on the last act, where, which I really thought was pretty terrific. Um, I would like to say that I totally forgot when, when we were doing our top five that I I might put Midsommar over Endgame because um, I thought that was really good, too. But is I that how you pronounce it? I don't even know the correct pronunciation. I don't know. It's midsummer. It's midsummer. Okay. Midsummer. <laughs> I want to clarify this now before I see this film. Um, start talking about it. But um, but yeah, but going back to us, um, there's something that I, there's something about how us it manages to be a a you know it, it, a, a pretty straight well not necessarily straightforward but a very understandable character story on the surface and then beneath it there's a lot that I, I think you could either say is, you know, metaphorical or political and stuff. And I, I, I guess I, I really dug that uh, about it. And what's her name? Uh, Lapita is fantastic. Like, really, 
that's very much the kind of thing where she's not going to get nominated because it's a horror movie. And I'm be like, come on, man. Like, that's a great performance or dual uh, performance. Um, and it's very funny, which is also what Get Out was, too. So, uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I know. And it's not a, I'm not saying it's a flaw or anything like that. I know you like to compare movies more than I do as far as like, well, this is, you know, it, as far as I'm talking about this in a way that presents it, why it's, you know, this compared to this, where I'm just like, yeah, I like them both. And I can say the things that I like about both of them or dislike about both of them. I, as far as like, you know, regardless of if it's a, a sophomore success or a sophomore slump, but whatever the case, I just think Jordan Peele is very talented. I think he just like knows what he's doing. I've watched it a lot. I I think Mm. he's pushing the envelope of what we expect. And I mean, the Mm -hmm. fact that we're talking about, I mean, I know you don't like to compare, but if we're literally just speaking about, I'm not against comparing. We're talking about a genre that work. Two films work within the same genre. And one is doing completely like, you know, zagging where everything else wants to zig. Like it's just kind of, it's just pretty monumental what he's been. What he's I mean, been, yeah, it's not like know. a, it's not a movie that's like here's Get Out again, but with these people now. Like it's doing, right. it is. It's and making he's still a, able to entertain. And he's still able to use the conventions in a very neat and sort of inventive way. Mm-hmm. But it just, it just goes so much deeper. And I think I will say, I mean, what I love about us, I think it's one of the few horror films you can really it unravels and unravels and it kind of goes on in an infinite way uh, kind of like how the shining is where you can always come back to the shining even though like for me like the shining wasn't my favorite film and then it's one of those movies you go back to and you kind of pick it apart and you're like okay i can appreciate this and that appreciation sort of evolves into admiration which evolves into love so i think speaking of movies that, that i recently watched at <laughs> in the dark by myself at home recently oh yeah <laughs> I think this is in the same vein, exact. I mean, the same sort of like, uh, you know, double meaning, hidden meaning, you know, extra layer, sort of vein. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, I think we all agree on that. It's just why we have us ranked so high, as far as films go. Uh, Peter, what else did you have on your list? Uh, I you also book, you, I guess you the Booksmart one, and. I love I I love Booksmart. Um, I was actually gonna bring up climax because i feel like that's the yeah, that's sure. the most un- but no no book smart's terrific i mean uh I, I i highly encourage everyone to go see it i mean i think it's just one of the best kind of teen films i've seen in a while um and it's you know got a lot of hard very funny and also very well directed i feel like sometimes comedies can have that thing where i'm not saying you have to be flashy but they can have a thing where it's very much the script and the performance but I think that Booksmart, while it does have that, there's a lot of nice visual, like, you know, like color schemes and stuff to it right. that I liked. Um, but the, In the one house, I... I was getting this sort of like PTA boogie night sort of vibe. The way I know, yeah. yeah, and the party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I would say the one for me that I would probably want to bring up is uh, Climax, only because uh, it's really weird. I've only seen one other film by Gaspar Noe, which was um, Irreversible. And oh, I. The funniest of his movies. Yeah. And and while I enjoy Irreversible as kind of a stunt and that's very visual and stuff, uh, I shouldn't say enjoyed, but like found it compelling. I mean, I've watched Climax like three or four times. Like um, part of that could just be I really like dance movies. Aaron and I are no strangers to our love for the or for the listeners, our love of the uh, step up films. Like so I like I like their job thing. Yeah. Um, But Climax is. Talk about expectations and living up to them. It's like step up. It's like what? What am I getting? What do I need to see in this movie? That's gonna like. Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, Except for that fourth one, which didn't. 
it's not it's not that bad it's fine like as you would say uh but uh climax i mean the, uh should i say what the premise is because it's not yeah so yeah go there. um the premise is that it's uh takes place in the 90s probably like i want to say it's like the mid to late 90s it's based off a true a real like event that took yeah place. real event and it's a it's a bunch of um i want to say it's like an uh, a company of french dancers and they are gonna embark on a north american tour and it's the night and they're just decided to like you know party have a nice night and someone they're all drinking sangria and someone has spiked the sangria with acid and in true gasper no form things go bad <laughs> um but while in some circles it could be considered a horror film because i it definitely has tropes like like that what i just really liked was the camera work and the company, the dancing. I just found it very appealing and very like a lot of really long shots where you're just like the camera's just sitting there, not a lot of flat, which is what I want out of, you know, for dancing. Um, so I really, and I love the music that kind of like some of it actually is nineties dance music. Some of it I think is newer music that's made to sound like, cause I've been listening yeah. to soundtrack. It's a mix of like what, like house and trap and right. techno, yeah. obviously. Um, but it's, it's very, yeah, it's really I'm hip to this, you know, house trap, you know, music. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I really dug that. Like that, that's one of the ones that's really stayed with me. Um, and I don't know. I mean, that's pretty small. So, but I dug it. Uh, let's see. I meant, I mean, Joe, you talked about last black man in San Francisco at the top of the show. I, yeah, yeah. it's my favorite movie of the year so far, uh, easily for me. I, it just, a friend of the show, Mark Hoban pointed the, this out, um, a few weeks back when he was talking about the film, but there's a kind of feel like it's, it's almost like it's telling a, an, a, um, a eulogy for San Francisco, which I think yeah. is quite apt. Like just the way it's presented, you're, you're seeing the city in a, from a unique perspective and in a way where it's emphasizing how much it's changed and how that's affected people, but it's done in such a loving way. And I just think it's excellent in that regard. Like the, the direction is top notch, the performances, specifically uh, Jonathan majors who plays the, um, there's two friends. He plays the, the more, I wouldn't say soulful, I guess just the more, the more artistic of the friends. And just the, the, there's a lot that he does within his performance that I just think is pretty incredible. I think they're both very good, both actors. Um, and the whole look of the film, it's visually just wonderful. And the score, I keep it's a great score to write to. I just I keep using it for a lot of things these days. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a top film for me. And I I look forward to when I when I feel that way about a movie, I look forward to the movies that are also going to get that kind of praise for me because I'm like if I like this movie this much, what else am I going to see this year that kind of sits at that level? So, right. um, what else you got? Did you guys both have Avengers in there? Uh, I did. No. I mean, <laughs> no, no, did it slip out? Did you? Did yesterday knock it off the top for you? No, actually, Avengers is my number. Is it my? Well, I haven't seen Far From Home yet, but in terms of Mar Captain Marvel, Shazam, and and Endgame, Endgame is like a solid three on that list. So, All right. um, I don't think it's shifting anytime soon. Oh, so it was in your top five. I'm trying to. I, I can't. No, I it can't was see not. It. it wasn't. Not. It was more around like eight or nine. Ah, okay. I like it slightly more than Toy Story 4 at the moment, but that could change by the year's end. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> They're both very much in the B-plus sort of range for me, so. Oh, really? See, I thought Toy Story 4, I, I just rewatched all the Toy Stories, and I really like Toy Story 4. I think it's 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 so weird, because I had no desire for another Toy Story movie, but um, I really love it. Uh, but you know what I was going to say? Just curious. It sounds like we all like Endgame, 
What do we prefer, Endgame or John Wick 3? Uh, John Wick 3 is in my top 10 of the year. Endgame is not. Okay. <laughs> so there um, that's a hard one. Um, it's not a hard I mean, one for me. I, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, again, I have the highs are like super high in Avengers. So it's like, I think John Wick 3 is consistently a great action movie. I just... There's nothing quite there besides the action that'll take me to the next level emotionally. I think that's what I would say. Um, I, I definitely can, think I can see that. I can understand more. that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I just, I just still, I, as far as the movie I prefer, I still like John Wick more. But as far as like whatever connection I have to, sure, like it's been a long running, you know, big series, and there's emotional moments. Like they don't, they did not work on me. It just like the movie itself is like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I like it a lot. It's fun. I think, I've seen it. Tw- I've seen it twice. I give it six hours of my life. Oh to my Avengers, god! So. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like. I feel like. I feel like what's going on with Endgame is, even though I do think it's a good movie, uh, and I've only seen it once, and I look forward to seeing it when it comes on iTunes or whatever, is that so much of so much of um, it's not even expectation. You have a 4K. And you're like, I look forward to seeing it at iTunes. <laughs> Well, no, but it's 4K iTunes. It'll be oh, like, like okay, actually, fine. You know what? it'll probably be Disney Plus, right? It'll probably be no, but like when 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 we all get that. Um, but anyways, anyway, um, I think that what's really weird about or not weird, but so specific about Endgame is that I do think it is a good film, but it is so much about we've spent the last ten years or something with this universe. And so there's a culmination feeling that there really, you can't get with anything else. There's nothing else like that. Like, and so I think that that, that gives it a weird uniqueness. That's hard to compare. Uh, my only other thing with John Wick, I don't know, Peter, I mean, what? this Annabelle came home. I was pretty emotional <laughs> about this. <laughs> I mean, you could say the culmination also factors into infinity war as well. I mean, I feel like it resonates just as equally in a yeah. lot of respects. But like when you're talking about John Wick, I mean the yeah the scene with the dogs and Halle Berry, it's like that's one of the best scenes, action scenes of the decade. Like, however, as a overall film, and I'll have to see it again, I would put John Wick two as the best one. So now, so that's so then that way, I'm like, well, I do really like John Wick three, but I mean, did you? I know, Joe, you feel different. I know you like the I first one, the most, one, right? Three and two, yeah, that's how I would rank them. Wait, really? Two yeah. is released. Wow. Wait, two do you, is my least you, favorite. I just did you enjoy? Much, I, it's just for those kind of movies. It's just overly exposition heavy. I mean, I, I appreciate the world building. I don't think a movie like John Wick necessarily needs that much of it. And that the more time is spent on that, the less time is spent on you know these memorable action sequences. So, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, what about you, Aaron? Oh, I like two the most because of the filmmaking. Honestly, I mean, I think the the uh, what what it's what for one thing, I think the action sequences in John Wick two are phenomenal. I don't I don't think there's a lack of them that makes me upset by that. If anything, I think John Wick one has the least action in it. Um, but I what two does for me it just puts it on another level as far as going to like Italy, uh, showing not only showing off like more of what Keanu's doing and more of what this world is doing, but it's more of what the direction is capable of. Like it, it feels like such a a cinematic feature at that point where one is like, we're doing a really good job of showing you how action looks when stunt people do it. And we're giving you a good enough story. That's inherently silly. Cause about a guy that lost his dog, but it's also, like, I, it's, it, well, but it's I all, mean, but it's also inherently like, emotional because people care about pets. So that's always going to affect yes, you no matter what you can completely. do that. 
But it's but like you said, Peter, early on, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It's like, of course, everyone's going to feel upset. A dog died. Everyone feels sad when a dog dies. No one like there's no that's not a hard thing to like get right, out of somebody exactly. where I where I think, too, it's like, all right, we did that part. And now we can show you more of this assassin world. And if you're into that, then you're into that. Like, if you're not into it, then I'm sorry. But that's what this series is now. But outside of that, outside of the exposition stuff, I just, I think it's a better directed movie. I think there's a lot going on as far as the use of color, the use of framing, the use of where we're positioning these actors, the big mirror scene in the end of it. Like, there's a lot there. And I think 3 pushes that forward. I don't think it's quite as... I just think it, I don't think it's quite as effective. I think it really doubles down even harder on the world building stuff, which I still like. But I do think it it has more fun paying homage to other action movies than it does in being creating its own identity at that point. Because I think two did that so effectively. But that's I mean that's where I'm at with it as far as our, as our mini John Wick series review goes. <laughs> do you like? Uh, I think it's been a good year for films so far. Halfway through it. I think the good, I think the great films really stand out, but I think there's a lot of mediocre, lackluster sort of efforts that have been put out. Even even good movies like Rocket Man, I feel like compared to other years, it's just it doesn't hold up to me. I feel like the best is yet to come, except with the exception maybe of like Us and you know Booksmart and. Last Black Man in San Francisco, those type of you know really special films. But I, 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 as far as like big studio stuff that's largely been IP based, yeah, there's been a lot that's kind of been like meh. But I do, I mean, you know me, I love Godzilla. Um, I mean that that did it for me. And we were just talking about John Wick and Avengers, like those films delivered, even like Toy Story delivered. But as far as like other stuff that's out there, I. It's not hard for I see a bunch. It's not hard for me to find the good stuff, honestly. Like I have, it was I. I'm looking at my list right now, and I have 30 movies that I like a lot to like, you know, rank in this way. Um, but and a lot of it is non-studio stuff. So yeah, Last Black Man in San Francisco, a Steven Soderbergh Netflix release, a documentary about the moon landing, the latest Claire Denis film. Like all these things. Are like yeah, okay. Like that's that's a lot of good stuff. My favorite superhero movie this year, or like super powered movie this year, is Fast Color. I, I really like that film, and I wish it got a bigger push, but it's also, like, realistically, no, of course that's not going to get a bigger push. Um, it hasn't come out yet, technically, but Midsummer, I'm a big fan of. Uh, there is Olivia Olivier Asayas film, nonfiction, that I'm a big fan of. You talked about Booksmart already. Um, there's the, the Martin Scorsese, Bob Dylan documentary, I think, is great. Like, there's a lot of stuff there. It just doesn't, you know... I can understand why... I can understand why, like, the public would feel that way as far as, like, we're getting a lot of stuff and I don't really like it all that much as far as, like, yeah, Men in Black and Secret Life of Pets 2. It's like, whatever. But, like, when film Twitter says, like, it hasn't been a good year for film, it's like, you're film Twitter. Don't you go out and see the stuff that you know is supposed to be good? <laughs> like, I mean, like, what, like, all you want to do is complain, it seems. But I, I know where I stand. I know what I know what movies are good that came out this year. And I also like movies, <laughs> so I'm inclined to want to find the good things to see, or at least see the good stuff in movies that are, like, merely fine. But no, I don't think there's been, like, a cataclysmic decline in cinema this year just because there aren't, like, stone-cold classics that every single person recognizes as being good. I would Does agree. that make sense? Yeah, no, totally, totally. <laughs> I'm sorry that Dark Phoenix didn't deliver for everybody like we all <laughs> hoped it would. <laughs> like... Dark Phoenix. Um... Any other movies you want to like shout out? Um, I mean, I'm a huge, uh, you know, fan of uh, Escape Room. So oh, I, mean, oh, yeah. I feel like I'm I also like Escape. Very... I like Escape Room too. I do think it peaks in the middle with the uh, that Escape weird... Room. 
<laughs> yeah, the, well, no, well, the, the, the billboard diner. Oh, that's, that's to me, like, talk about making me, like, here's the, here's the difference. Like, I, I, okay, I, I promise this will be my last Annabelle comparison, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, in terms of tension, like, what, like, I, I just, I have a hard time when a movie does things in a unique way and these characters, you don't know whether they're going to live or die. I mean, literally, they're on basically the edge of death all the time. So that and what I love about that movie is it plays onto all of my personal fears. And they have a fear of, you know, drowning, a fear, basically every single fear you could ever imagine. Realistically, you know, we're not going to be fearful of running into like, you know, Annabelle or some supernatural creature. This movie plays more on your realistic everyday day to day fears and it in a very like sort of constrained way. Um but I, I mean, that pool hall sequence to me is still the most like anxiety-ridden sequence that I can remember from anything that I've seen this year. I just was like in a pool of sweat that entire scene, which I loved, by the way. So I had a lot of fun with it. I like yeah. I, 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 I'm not quite on the level of like, oh my god, I can't. This, I hope my room doesn't turn upside down and starts the floor <laughs> start falling for me. But I, but I, I hear what you're saying, and I do agree as far as I think on a production design level and on an effective visceral level, it's very effective. Like it does the job for for sure. And I think all the rooms do for the most part. I don't think any any room was like, oh, that room sucked. Well, maybe that medical room was like, okay, a lot of X-rays and stuff, but whatever. But um, the the bulk of that movie, yeah, it's fun. It does the it does the job for what it's doing. If we get Escape Room Two, still escaping, um, <laughs> I'll. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll see what I'll see what they have to get out of next. Um, Speaking of, do you have any? Uh, are we getting crawl first, which I can't wait for, or uh, forty-seven meters down, still metered, uncaged, uncaged? Uh, yeah. Crawl is crawls because crawl is in like two weeks. Crawl comes out with Stuber in like that you know, looks, like on that looks like really the, good. I hope it's good. The, I hope that it looks really fun. It looks fun. Like I, yeah, it looks like, a, and it's only like ninety minutes. Where I'm like, yeah, see, this knows what it's doing. It's like I don't need, I don't, I don't need an hour and fifty minutes of crocodile drama. Come yeah. fine with this. Uh, I agree. Uh, but I'm, well, I'm glad to hear the love for Escape Room because, yeah, I enjoyed it too. Um, I wait. Did you also like? Because I know Aaron was not as much of a fan. Did you like Happy Birthday to You? I have not seen it because I have not seen the original. So oh. I Happy yeah. Death Day. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Wait, no. It's happy that day, and then ha- is it happy death day to you? Is that what it is? Yes. 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 Sorry, that's yes. it. Um, but you haven't seen other happy death day. That's what you're no, saying. No, I have not. Yeah. No. They're okay. pretty. Also, I think they're enjoyable. I think that there isn't anything in that as good as what you're talking about. One particular scene in Escape Room, but you might enjoy them. I think either. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, we don't need to keep going too long in this. Assuming that all went to plan, let's move on now. Let's get to our. Uh, let's get to some out now feedback. 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 Where we go over some of the listener questions um that i asked they gave us answers and then they gave us a question that we'll go through so yeah here we go uh peter joseph feel free to lend in any answers as you see fit first question we have here what horror franchise have you seen every entry of justin writes jaws is the only one like scott not really a horror fan but over the years i've started to appreciate the art form speaking of which scott says only one is evil dead not a big horror guy unless it's the classics like bride of frankenstein and Chris writes, Saw, Puppet Master, Evil Dead, Wreck, Hellraiser, Alien, Ghoulies, Leprechaun, Of the Dead. I can probably carry on, but very few I haven't seen. I agree. I mean, the of ma- uh, the major ones, I think I've seen. Oh, you know what? I have not seen all the Saw films. But, yeah, I have not. Yeah. I stopped it. I have for some reason. 
<laughs> why have I seen all of these? <laughs> uh, but I've seen, yeah, Friday Thirteenth, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream. Yeah, I've seen all of those. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like I've seen all of them. Like, um, yeah, I mean that's pretty normal, like for me. But but I'm also a big horror fan, so. Uh, I'm a big horror fan. I have some gaps here or there, so I can't, like, you know, there's just some that is, like, you know, the fourth of some that I just haven't seen or what have you. Like, Friday, I'm I'm not great on, uh, mainly because it's just not my favorite slasher series, so I just haven't been, like, I need to watch all the Friday the 13th movies. Have you seen any of them? Yeah, I've seen pff, at least five. <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. All right. Because, there, well, there's 12 if we count Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. There's 12 of them then because there's Jason X, then Freddy Jason, and then the remake. So yeah, there's 12. It's When you have an X, it gets really easy to remember how many entries there are in a movie. <laughs> wow, so that means the next Friday 13th, if they ever get that thing made, is going to be the 13th. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's been legal snags, which is why it hasn't happened. But the idea that Paramount can't seem to figure out how to get a cheaply made Friday the 13th movie made and released on Friday, Friday the 13th is just like a missed opportunity every time you see a Friday the 13th. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> every every time there's a Friday the 13th and the Friday the 13th movie doesn't come out, you're like, what were you guys doing? Like, you couldn't make a movie. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't get one of these. <laughs> it's true. Um, you know, it's funny. I uh, Yance... The marketing sells itself. It's the 13th Friday the 13th. <laughs> like, so I, I wanted, to, um, wanted to ask Aaron what he thought of this, and by thought of this, I meant give him a chance to uh, complain about a horror series. Um, our, our uh, mutual friend Yancey Burns said that Toy Story 4, which is not horror, um, officially makes it the best four-movie series, to which I would say to Aaron, what about the Scream series? Because I know of your love for Scream 4. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> which is underrated by you. Uh, it's poorly rated accurately by me. <laughs> And I don't like, I think three's the worst one. So, no. I mean, oh, no. I thought you thought four was the worst one. No, I think oh, four three, is just three's four, sure the worst four, one. Four is the yesterday of the Scream series. There's a lot of potential there. <laughs> Aww. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next question. Have you ever been in possession of something so evil you felt best to lock it in a glass case? Justin writes, I have felt this way about my daughter. Just saying. <laughs> Adam Gentry, friend of the show, writes, No, since you ask, Abe and I have technically never met. <laughs> uh, Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes, Yes, Scott Mendelson is actually still in a glass case in my basement. I have, I let him have Wi-Fi so he can still make a living. Um, Scott, not Scott Mendelson, writes, Does no good. My glass case is evil, too. Uh, and Chris writes, Yes, but I'm still waiting for Abe's address so I can move it on. And he has a picture of a scary clown with that. Um, these are these are fun answers. <laughs> I like this. Uh, any of you guys have anything evil that you want to lock well, in a case? I will uh, say that. Um, I will say that uh, if you were to check my Instagram, you'd have to go far back. My Instagram is pajamo. Um, when The Conjuring came out, Warner Brothers sent me a uh, Annabelle doll. Um, hmm. it, it's nowhere near as big as the actual. It, it's like a tiny like thing. But I will say this. Every girlfriend I have had has been like, why do you have that thing? And I was like, what do you mean? It's Annabelle. Like, uh, so apparently I should keep that in a case, but I do not. Mm. Joe, anything? I'm trying to think. Uh, God. I mean, if so, I haven't seen it in probably 10 years. It's probably packed in a box or something for a good reason. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Next question we have here. 
little different. What's your favorite British romantic comedy? Chris writes Four Weddings, Notting Hill, and Love Actually. Crikey, I may have a Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant crush. Irene writes Shakespeare in Love and Bridget Jones' Diary. Justin writes Notting Hill. I love that movie. Whoops a daisies. Uh, Renee has uh, Love Actually. And Jason J has um, About Time. Favorite uh, British romantic comedies? Oh my God, I'm limited in my knowledge about this one. I think maybe that's why I liked Yesterday as much as I did, because I'm not fluent with this genre whatsoever. Um, uh, I mean, I guess my default would be Yesterday. I mean, you guys have to throw some titles at me, and I might have seen it. I mean, the Richard Curtis catalog, which includes About Time, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Bridget Jones's Diary, that trilogy, I guess, Love Actually, Notting Hill. Uh, I... Yeah, I. I may have seen Notting Hill once in a blue moon once a long time ago, but like, I don't know. I think I would, I, I'd go with love. Actually, it's probably the one I've seen the most. Um, I probably agree. I, I know I've seen it the most for some reason. Uh, I can't, I don't <laughs> probably because it's a Christmas movie. I guess yeah. I, like it doubles up that way, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if four weddings is actually better, but I, I haven't seen it in forever. Um, so Hmm. It's a, it's a. I just, I watched it recently because I watched yesterday. I'm like, well, that's on Prime right now. I'll put on Four Weddings and a Funeral. It, it's a better movie. Um, <laughs> that that said, I mean, the easy answer for me is Shaun of the Dead. Obviously, that's oh, I love Shaun of the. I just, that's my, that's my favorite British uh, romantic comedy. Easily, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. Um, next question we have here: Which musician or group disappearing would be devastating to you? Conversely, what musician or group do you wish would disappear? Uh, Scott writes, well, I'm a Stones fan, and if Keith Richard dies before I expect him to, I'm guessing 2993, I'd be shocked. I know conventional weapons can't kill him. I highly doubt nuclear ones would either. As for wishing someone to leave, basically the entire crop of recent country music artists, they can take their truck and tractor with them. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Chris writes, the Prodigy, Jesus and the Mary Chain, Sex Pistols, N.W.A., and Lou Reed would be devastating to disappear. That's an eclectic mix. Uh, the world would certainly be better without Gary Glitter. What? Oh, come on. <laughs> I, like that. I mean, I like that one song, anyways. Uh, Cindy writes, this movie is my worst nightmare, a world without the Beatles. Ah, I wouldn't mind forgetting the cars existed, though. Wait, oh, the, the Volkswagen Beetle, she means? No, the, forgetting the band The Cars existed. She wouldn't mind forgetting Oh, the, the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Cars, I yes. about the Cars. Um, hmm... Which music, Which group would you be like, oh my god, they don't exist anymore, this blows my mind? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it feels like it kind of would have to be the Beatles, I just because, I mean, they are one of my favorites. I, yeah. I mean, I could I could say something that's like of my generation and be like, the White Stripes, you know, I mean, like, but I don't, I don't know, I mean, or Prince, does Prince count, even though he's not a band? I said musician or band, yeah. So, yeah. Being Prince Mini. is pretty big, losing Prince. I mean, going that direction, I would say Michael Jackson, honestly. Well, yeah, or Michael Jackson. I, think, I mean, I like that... the impact of the music. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, I'll say this. It would be way easier, uh, uh, as a person who, who really tried in the last few years, you could absolutely get rid of emo, and I'll be fine. <laughs> like i tried to get into it. it it's just not it just doesn't do it for me when you say you tried to get into it does it be like i wore i wore black and i slicked my hair to no, some no, way no, no. And... My, uh, my ex my ex-girlfriend grew up with emo so she played it a lot and i was like all right i'll give my chemical room i'll give all these bands a chance and <laughs> eh, like some of it's okay but yeah as a genre it just it's fine if it disappears i'm fine all right <laughs> let's uh let's move on to the next one 
Um, here we go. Favorite song by the Beatles. Justin writes, I have never liked the Beatles, but if I had to choose, here comes the sun, hey Jude, and come together. Todd writes, while my guitar gently weeps, my most favorite Beatles songs are the ones penned by George Harrison. Uh, William writes, uh, he agrees with Todd. Uh, Mary writes, in my life, I love you more. Michael Lee, friend of the show, writes, it's the who is your favorite child question of Beatles music. Uh, Dennis writes, I like them a lot, but off the top of my head, while my guitar gently weeps, help Lady Madonna, we can work it out and across the universe. Scott writes, a day in the life. Chris writes, I am the walrus and Eleanor Rigby. Cindy writes, tomorrow never knows. Alan Aguilera, friend of the show, writes, I've just seen a face. Maxwell writes, this is an, this is an impossible question. And Shelley writes, let it be. These are all incorrect. What's what's the answer? <laughs> Um, even though, I mean, those are all amazing songs. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like the ultimate, to me, the ultimate Beatles song is Day Tripper. Ooh, I like Day Tripper. Because it's got that guitar, that great hook in the beginning, got the melody, like, that feels like ultimate Beatles song. Like, I love that song, too. So, that would be mine. I like, I like Day Tripper a lot. I like A Hard Day's Night, honestly. Yeah, um, um, what is it? Uh, I Me Mine. I'm a big fan of that song. Um... Eleanor Rigby, I do like quite a bit as well. Across the universe, pretty dang good too. I mean, we, we could. Uh, I'll just <laughs> be starting. So many lists. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll just be starting to label them. But those are ones that tend to. I um, I, I saw her standing there. I like that song a lot too. Uh, let's. I'm just the ones I do best at in Beatles rock band tend to be the ones I like the most. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All right. Last question we have here. What's your favorite film of the year so far? We just went over this, but uh, our listeners have. I, uh, Renee writes, uh, I just saw the new Shaft movie last night. was really entertained, but yeah, Endgame. Uh, Cindy writes Rocketman. Jeff writes Endgame. And John writes Endgame. So Endgame fans are out there. Um, all right. And we got one question. This one's from Nguyen. Um, the first time, what's the first time you feel scared or realize the power of horror? So I guess, like, what's the first time you were scared in a horror movie? Uh, I can say it, but it's not a horror movie. But I think, I think that anybody who grew up in the TV era like I did in the 70s or 80s might agree. The Wicked Witch in Wizard of Oz. Terrifying. Oh, as a kid. All right. Terrifying. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So. I mean, by that logic, like, I I was scared of things about Ghostbusters when I was young. Like, there were things, like, at that time, Ghostbusters and um, Willow, actually. I remember, I remember being told that the big, like, two-headed monster named Ebert Sisk, after Siskel and Ebert, um, <laughs> that, that, did, that did scare me. Uh, just because it's a crazy, like, stop-motion created monster thing, and that got to me. Given that it was, like, a PG movie. So it's like, oh, and then there's a scary thing in it. Right. When, you know, when 80s movies were cool about that, we're like, we could scare kids. You're right. <laughs> I mean, God, it's hard to even think of one. Um, I do know, for whatever reason, just I don't know why, I always was averse to... I watched all the Disney movies, but for some reason, Sleeping Beauty was the one I was averse to. I think it was just like... It's such a dark movie, and Maleficent's entire castle and all like the goblins mm-hmm. and creatures hang around it. For some reason, it really freaked me out as a kid. I didn't even want to like see the film. But as far as like first horror movies, I, I avoided them for a long time because I was so terrified. I just remember going to a cousin, my cousin's place and she was watching I Know What You Did Last Summer and just like the guy in the raincoat with the hook. I mean, that just like terrified me. But like my first actual horror experience is probably Saw. So like the pig's head, like when he's running uh-huh. out at him at the parking lot, that really freaked me out. Or like in the closet, like popped out of the closet, that really scared me. I think those were one of the first ones to really 
take being, being, one, being one that like wasn't seeing a bunch of horror that's that's where you're your huh? being one that wasn't seeing a bunch of horror that's yeah. where at, as far as yeah. like going out of your way to see a horror movie and be like oh this is scary <laughs> exactly yeah yeah <laughs> all right uh okay well that was our question so that's uh that's our feedback this week feedback feedback let's uh move on now let's get to let's start wrapping things up here do a little out now presents what's out now these are films that are coming out on dvd blu-ray art 4k streaming and all that uh feel free to give a yay or nay to any of these as i say them although it's a pretty light week as far as new releases first up is the best of enemies that was one with sam rockwell and was it octavia spencer Taraji b henson and, and, and it's yeah sam rockwell once playing looks like he's playing a racist again He's playing like a KKK guy who becomes like best friends with Henson's character, I guess. Is Have you basically. seen it? No, I didn't. I, I feel I like either, yeah. I saw the premise and I was like, no. And then, yeah. about, then, I, then I moved on with my life. <laughs> so. I moved on with my life. Like, uh, yeah. uh, the Public. This is the Emilio Estevez directed movie that came out like a limited release. Mm, I, I don't think any of us saw it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you might be thinking there is a movie directed by Emilio Estevez that came out this year. Oh, there you go. Um, what else? Escape Plan: The Extractors, the third Escape Plan movie featuring Sylvester Stallone and Dave Bautista. That's right. They got there's a third of those. I remember when the there's a yes, there's, there's a third one. There's a second one, and there is a third one. Um, okay, let's see. On uh, let's see from Kino this week, we have a few movies from um, uh, John Bier Melville, uh, Bob Lefambour, Le Duros, and Leon Morin Priest. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Le Samurai. Um, and so I actually do want to check out some more um, Melville films uh, as soon as I can. And so, yeah, I look forward to seeing some of those. And that's it for stuff coming out this week. Uh, let's see. Moving on to Netflix. Uh, a couple of things here. Uh, Stranger Things hits on July 4th. That's coming out this week. So there you go. The third season of Stranger Things. And I noticed they got some uh, they got some early Scorsese coming out this week. We got Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, Who's That Knocking on My Door, and Mean Streets. They're all coming to Netflix. Perfect this week so if you want to catch up on some of scorsese's firsts uh there you go on prime this week oh okay peter under, under the silver lake comes out on prime this week for the first ah time. okay there you go yeah as well as the spy who dumped me speaking of uh underrated Kenan. comedies right there oh that's on hulu well now it's on prime oh there it is <laughs> it's fun <laughs> as you would say it's a movie <laughs> all right uh, let's see. Next week's show. Next week, sorry, that was uh, what's coming out now. Next week's show, we're going to be talking Spider-Man: colon, Far From Home, the latest Spider-Man film. Uh, Peter's seen it, and he said he liked it. I did. I've seen it. I'm saying nothing right now because I got to wait till next week. So there you go. <laughs> I'll say. Can I say that? Can I say this? Um, for anybody listening, if they're going to go, be sure to stay for all the credits. That's all. I mean. If you're watching the 23rd Marvel film and you're like, I guess I can leave now. You don't you don't deserve to see the end of the credits at this point. I mean, no, but I mean, arguably, there's not much at the end of Endgame. There's not really. I mean. Yeah, okay. That's the one. I know. Well, <laughs> so you the... might be wondering if Far From Home was going to, you know, so I'm just saying, no, nope, they're pretty good. Like, I know what you're saying. At the same time, I'm thinking, anybody listening to a film podcast is probably <laughs> in the know on how MCU does things at this point. They probably noticed. It. But sure. you know what? You're... You're not wrong. Some people got, might need that message, and good on you for spreading it. Yes, there are two <laughs> post-credit sequences in Far From Home. Um, so, yeah. They both involve Howard the Duck. I thought it was a weird choice, too, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Joe, what should people see in theaters right now? If you can find it. I know AMC has it under their artisan section now as uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco. I know they're expanding because their box office is getting stronger <clears throat> the more of the expansion happens, so go see that. 
What are you seeing next? I what well, uh, probably Far From Home. Um, actually, on oh. Tuesday, I believe I've seen Stuber, and I don't really how to feel about. It. I feel like the first couple trailers I was kind of giddy, but then now it's just kind of like okay, let's let's just get this movie over with. So I've but only I, I I've only like... seen the trailer once, and I'm like, all right. This pairing is, yeah, non Johnny Batista. I've been waiting for this, obviously. We've all been like saying, when are they going to get together? And here they are. <laughs> but, right. uh, but no, yeah, I, I'm also, yeah, I'm seeing it on Tuesday. That's the next thing I'm seeing. And I, I want it to work. I mean, that's, I, I like seeing a good buddy comedy, so we'll see what happens. Um, as far as what people should see now, Toy Story is out there, and it's a lot of fun if you want to go big. If you want to go medium, The Dead Don't Die. I really enjoyed that. I like Jarmouche. If you want to go smaller, Last Black Man in San Francisco. It's the best film of the year so far, so there you go. Uh, Peter, how about you? What do people see in theaters? I think the next thing I'm seeing is Lion King for screening. Or is that a... Wait, is that a week away? It's a while. It's, it's, a, it's not this week, but next week. Oh, okay. And then... Um, uh, actually, you know what? You guys have convinced me. Maybe for this fourth weekend, I'll go see The Last Black Man in San Francisco. There you go. Must be there so great, so I'll go check that out. That's right. Okay, Joe, our goal was accomplished. We secretly <laughs> planned to review two movies, in fact, to just convince Peter to go see The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, with all that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there, but you can also find my reviews over at Blue and weliveentertainment.com. I'm also on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Joseph Braverman, where can people find more of you? Um, you can find me on awardscircuit.com. Uh, follow me on social media at jb award circuit peter paris i'm on twitter and instagram uh pajama which is like pajamas but with an o um i haven't i'm not i'm looking to do some full-length reviews i haven't done those in a while but i'm always giving my impressions on social media all right you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, as well as on Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Anything we talked about today, feel free to bring it up in some kind of weird email. Uh, I don't know why it'd be weird. I just said that. Facebook and and Twitter, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, and twitter.com slash podcast and our Instagram page, Instagram uh, outnow underscore podcast as well. Follow all of us over there. And, of course, send plenty of scary clown gifts to Abe at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Make sure he gets all the scary clown gifts he can. He needs those scary clown gifts. Give them to him. Um, thank you, Peter and Joseph, for joining me for this week's episode. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. For sure. Always fun to have you guys here. Fun to have a a, 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 lo- a good long show. We got a lot done. <laughs> I feel like I lost a couple pounds doing this episode. But, um, but yeah, a lot of fun. And we'll be back next week to talk about Spider-Man. But until next time, so long and goodbye.
It's like that Simpsons episode where there's, there's that, that dog with the shifty eyes. It's like, I don't know what it's up to, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 something's going on. <laughs>